As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today, right next to me at Radio Row at the Super Bowl, it's my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. I don't know whether to stare at you, stare at the camera, or stare at the frat party that's behind us. Apparently, there is obvious, <laughs> as is you know to be expected here at Radio Row. There's a lot going on. Yeah. They're screaming fans. They're excited people. We're also excited. Very excited. It's been a great week. Shield's going to join us a little bit later to do some Super Bowl props, to do our Super Bowl pick. You and I have had a great time down here. Uh, we ran 40s yesterday. Yep. For people who have not seen the video, uh, it is online. Yes. It is on Twitter. You can go watch us run 40-yard dashes. It's as embarrassing as you might think it is, but I beat you in a competition that involved throwing footballs. Have you recovered? <laughs> No, I, I feel like at my funeral, <laughs> during the obituary, you're going to be like, and then one time we had a throwing competition. Oh, you're definitely going to outlive me. I can promise you that right now. <laughs> Actually, my arm, I, I'm shocked. How my, my arm was just a little tight. A little I was sore, okay. A little I was sore today. okay today. Yeah. How do my hip flexors definitely up? hurt more okay. than my arm did from yeah. the running. Calf okay. Shoulder a little tight. A lot of scar tissue broke up. Uh, on those throws, and I, I loved I, uh, watching the back was funny. And then I was just talking to Ben Solak, uh, uh, who just walked by. And he said, "Yeah, I was watching the video. I could tell when you started getting into it because you started licking your fingers." I was like, "Oh, absolutely." I was like, "I was trying to hide how uh, I wouldn't say worried, but it, I was I was like I was feeling the heat a little bit." The best part was you kind of sitting up straight in your chair when you saw me. Like so when we started playing catch, it's like, "Oh shit, he can actually throw the football." Yeah. I was like, "That's the one thing I can still do. Uh-huh. I can actually still throw a football." Most of my other prowess is overstating it but athletic competency has whittled away You're over peloton time. master though that's all i got i got peloton <laughs> and i can throw a football a little bit all right we're going to dig into this game in every way that we can we're yeah. going to talk about both sides of the ball all of the matchups that have come to mind you know you and i have spent 
days, hours, weeks thinking about this game, thinking about every aspect of the matchups. Let's start about how. Let's start with just the idea of how we got here and just the past that these two teams took here. We dug into that pretty in depth with Jordan Rodriguez and Paul Diener Jr. on yesterday's show. If you guys want to go check that out, but I still think it's worth revisiting. Kind of talking about what's at stake for these teams and just their journeys to this moment. And it's so funny because these teams were built in very different ways, but their expectations coming into this season were very different, right? Yes. The Rams expected to be here. Mm-hmm. Every choice they've made over the last year is indicative of a team that believed they were on the precipice of a championship. Trading two first-round picks for Matthew Stafford. Trading a second and third-round pick for Von Miller. Going out and getting Odell Beckham. The Stafford move was supposed to be the final flourish on the end of this thing, right? It was supposed to be the finishing touch on the build that the Rams had gone through over the first four years of the Sean McVay era. And for the most part, it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. That's what it felt like, especially earlier in the season. We were like, holy shit, this is it. This is it. This is what they needed. And you know, there are some downturns mm-hmm. in the middle of the year. There, there are some bumps in the road mm-hmm. to this moment. But this is what the Rams were supposed to be. They were supposed to be, at least in their minds, playing in this game. Yeah, and Sean McVay's tenure with the Rams has been really kind of just fascinating. Like, as as a football fan, but just from year one, 2017, and just moving on, the evolution of Goff when he had him as the quarterback, the evolution of the offense and just what they did, and seeing this kind of like, this is the final vision of it, I guess is the best way, best way to put it, because that it's just been really cool and seeing this next chapter of it. And we've referred, <laughs> referred to it a few times already, but like that trade with the Stafford stuff was like, it felt like a moment. It was like, Oh shit. Like, and not just with the Rams, but just like the league. And just like, there's ramifications of that. No pun intended, but just <laughs> with all that, with all these other teams is like, Oh wow, this is a whole new way to build a team, a whole new way to acquire a quarterback. You know, there's been big trades before, but this felt different. And it just felt every chapter that we've had, okay, they don't have a first-round pick. Okay, what do they do with the draft after that? How they look at the draft has been a whole thing. How they um, how they acquire these guys. They're stars and scrubs. But then it's like, it's not really scrubs. They just try and find super role players at the spots. And it's been really, really cool to see this Rams team get to this point. It's like, this is their goal. It's not like, hey, we make the playoffs. We're happy. It's like, no, it was, we're make, we're MC champions. That's like that's the number one goal. Number two goal is to win the Super Bowl. It's kind of funny that you know with some teams, you try to read into their thinking yeah. and you try to understand how you get from point A to point B to point C and how things build on each other. With the Rams, you can see it. Yeah, you can see the way that it's built on each other. You know, obviously the foundation that they established with Jared Goff and just the way they played offense. There are still a lot of those aspects to the yep. way they play offense now. Yep. It's not as play action heavy. It's not as much under center. Yep. But there's still the bunches that they use, mm-hmm. some of the jet motions that they use. The bones of the offense have remained the same. It's just that they needed Matthew Stafford to take it over the top. Yep. On defense, the foundation that they built with Brandon Staley last year and the system that they ran, it's still there. Yeah. They're still running almost the exact same defense. It's. I was honestly shocked when I started looking at some of the numbers, how similar it was. And I reached out to someone on their staff this week, and I was like, am I missing something just with some of the different things you guys have done this year? It's like, not really. <laughs> like, <laughs> we brought more pressures on third down last year, but the bones of everything is the same. And that you've seen that. You've seen each kind of incremental step mm-hmm. of how they've tried to get here. And then the Stafford thing was the way to bring it all together. Yeah. And you, know, you think about him. And we haven't really talked much about him this week or about Joe Burrow in terms of what's at stake for those guys because I assume we would talk about it today. And I think that the Matthew Stafford part of this is fascinating mm-hmm. because it's such a study 
and how much circumstances matter for quarterbacks. Yeah. Matthew Stafford is 33. He's yeah. my age. He's not suddenly a different player than he was for the first 12 years of his career yeah. in Detroit. He's a similar player, mm-hmm. but you put him into a different situation with different help with a different coaching staff. And now a guy who a month ago we were talking about how he'd never won a playoff game could be about to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And when you win a Super Bowl as a quarterback and when you are – not a role player yeah. in that, right? Like they're the best passing offense in football by EPA per drop back over the course of the season. We talk about you in a different way. Yeah. And that's about to happen for Matthew Stafford. This guy who's kind of been hiding in plain sight yeah. in Detroit for over a decade is now about to take center stage in the biggest moment of his career for potentially a moment that'll change the way we talk about him, mm-hmm. the way we talk about Sean McVay, mm-hmm. the way we talk about Aaron Donald, Andrew Whitworth. I mean, this is such a feather in the cap for some of these guys. And again, that's exactly what it was supposed to be for them this season. Yeah, every move was another wedge in the window uh, of their, their window of opportunity. It was like, okay, all right, Stafford, okay, that's about an inch. Okay, Von Miller, okay, that's like a quarter inch. Ooh, OBJ, that's another quarter inch. And that's, they just, they're just keeping it pride open. They're trying to get into that Super Bowl window because it matters. This is what we remember. We're, we, Philly special. We're always going to remember Nick Foles, who's just like his career has petered off. It's just like that is what this, that is what the Super Bowl can do. It's all about it's the Super Bowl. Like you refer to everything else. You hear this frat party behind me, but it's like that is what the Super Bowl does. Everything else is referred to as the Super Bowl of blank, the Super Bowl of blank. It's the literal Super Bowl. And that's what if you are the quarterback of that, it's I'm going to Disney World. Remember Trent Dilfer because of this stuff. Like <laughs> now imagine a guy that who's had a career where he's had 5,000 yards and like I don't think gotten the Pro Bowl the year he had 5,000 yards. What has a record for attempts in a season, which, you know, is a weird stat, but still like that's notable. Like has had these moments in his career. He was a number one pick. Like, like Mel, <laughs> Mel Kuyper said in high school, he's like, this guy, when he was coming, went to Georgia, he was like, this guy's going to be the number one pick in three years. Yeah. And he was the number one pick in three years. And usually we refer to those guys as like generational. If they've been touted this high. It's funny how you, there's so many players in the NFL. There's so many stories that happen week to week, season to season. And this, like, it's like 12 years later after he comes out of Georgia, it's like, oh, yeah, he's back. All right, remember this guy? Yeah, the, he could do the trick shots. But now if those trick shots don't work, he has a team around him and coaches around him that aren't going to like just let it all fall apart like it's happened in Detroit sometimes. And I think with, with Sean McVay and just the way that we think about him, you know, this is it. You know, he's been such a central figure in how the NFL has worked over yeah. the last five years. Even look at it now. Kevin O'Connell is about to be a yeah. coach. Now, yeah. Okay. Yep. Matt LaFleur, you know, Shane Waldron was the offensive coordinator in, in went to be the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. in Seattle. All of his assistants have gotten hired away. Brandon Staley is now the head coach of the Chargers. Yep. People are trying to take what the Rams have yep. and apply it to their own organization. But the Rams haven't won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like typically it's the teams that ultimately win one where you try to take that foundation and replicate it somewhere else. This is the chance for somebody who has been a central prioritized mm-hmm. figure throughout the league to really get to the top of the mountain, to be the last one standing. And it really is the last thing for him to do. His influence is undeniable, oh, yeah. but is he going to be the guy at the end of this season? And it feels like he has a real chance to do that. And oh, Otherwise, you just become another Eric Coriel. Like, you yeah, become that other right. guy. It's like, oh, he was innovative. Yeah, we've stolen a lot of ideas. He did a lot of great things. Okay, but only like a couple of football junkies know him in 20 years from now. But again, you win these Super Bowls, then that's that picture of you holding up the Lombardi, smiling, getting the fingerprints on it. Like, that's like, that's the image that you remember. Like, you remember, even if Tom Brady, like his first year that he won that Super Bowl, it's so amazing that he, you can just go, oh, which one was that? But it's the first one that he won. 
like the shot of him like putting his hands on his head. If Tom Brady never won another Super Bowl again, and he was just this nice six-round story they stepped in, you'll remember that shot. That These moments become iconic. And that's what's, I don't know, it's just really, really cool to see a guy come in and was like, oh, who's this 32-year-old, 33-year-old they're hiring with a wrinkled shirt? He had the wrinkled button-down button shirt. I'll never forget it. I was like, wow, I have the same shirt. And, <laughs> and I've seen this guy become a head coach. And it was like, okay, we'll see what we can do. And right away, it was like, okay, this guy's doing something different. And it felt different. And this is, like you said, it's a use of feather in the cap for all these guys, but especially him. It's, it's cool to have these narratives that aren't just a week or a season. It's like, this is like, Half a decade. Oh, this now. is built on. This yes. is this is, a, this is five years in the making. Yeah, this it's is so a, cool. This is proof that the way that they have approached football yeah. in Los Angeles, which is very radically different yes. than it is in a lot of other places, is viable. It yeah. works. It's worth chasing. Right. This would be the validation of yep. that entire process and that entire system that they have decided to run, not only schematically, but in the way they've built this team, yep. the way they operate, the way that they think, and that matters here. Yes. On the other side of this, the Bengals are on the entire other end of the spectrum, right, yes. in the way they've built this team and their expectations coming into the year. We never thought this was going to happen. No. You know, we've <laughs> we talked about it a little later on the show with Shield. You and I have had a winding road with the Bengals here over the last six months, over the last year. Yeah. And now... They're about to play in the Super Bowl. Yep. And it's easy to say, you know, there's, the Rams are a better team than the Bengals. The Rams yep. have all these matchup advantages. And I, I do think the Rams are a better team than the Bengals. It's only four and a half. The yeah. line's only four and a half. There are a lot of Bengals believers here. And over the last three weeks, they've given us plenty of reasons to believe in them. Yes. God, we say it was Shield later, but it's the second half of the season. It was so cool. We knew Burrow was good. Like, I, I, it was. Burrow always felt like a safe number one pick. You're like, oh my, that's like, it's really, this guy seems almost bust proof. Like he was just so smart and accurate and big and athletic. It was like, okay, no matter what. And seeing him reach new heights, really, as far as a pro college, you reached the highest of highs. But as a, as a pro in this, especially in the second half of the year, it was so cool. And then seeing their defense step up and, and throughout the season, we kind of kept, I've compared them to the Bills a lot and just how they're structured and kind of like a no names defense. It, was, it felt patchwork at first, but seeing that, their image of what the defense should be kind of work and, and be able to adjust when they need to adjust. And seeing that happen in the playoffs, especially against the Chiefs, it was it's cool seeing those kind of Jordan rules moments. I, I don't know what, how else to put it, but seeing those kind of like, we have an answer for the Chiefs and we're going to beat them and not get scared and not get gun shy in those big moments. And that's a whole defense where it's like most guys, most people can't name more than two of their players. And I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just a bunch of smart, well-coached players. And it's very, very cool. And we started the season... I was amongst them going, man, you know, they should have gone Sewell. They should have got some of the O-line, but they went Chase. And it's like Chase was such a good player, but it was just more of a team-building aspect. Guess what? They won the fucking Super Bowl. It, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? Nothing else matters. We just talked about with the McVay and all that. Well, if Burrow wins in his second year, then it's like, all right, well, okay, well, then we'll figure out the team-building <laughs> and the offensive line afterwards because that's what matters is seeing these star players step up throughout the season and then seeing like a team defense step up in the big moments too. It's Their really defense, cool. I mean, has proven to be the exact type of defense you need in the playoffs. Yes. They're flexible. They're, they can be hyper-specific in the way that they play. Yep. They can be this team that kind of changes from week to week and is this chameleon schematically. It's really played into their hands throughout the playoffs and they've been able to do it because we've talked about it a million times they have smart veteran players yeah. they tackle well really I mean, well. just just things like that that ultimately become so important in these one game little tournaments where you can just if you need to switch your game plan on a dime yep. you can do that it's they've been able to do, harness that in such an impressive way and the joe burrow factor in all of this is 
it's so funny to watch how these quarterbacks have brought these teams to these places, but it's been so different in the way that they've done it, right? Yeah. You know, Stafford has been in league for 10 years. He was the kind of the last part of what the Rams were doing. Joe Burrow was the first part yep. of what the Bengals were yep. doing. And, you know, they're such different players, right? Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford stylistically are very, very different. <laughs> but this game and this matchup between those two guys, for me, is a reminder that you need a superpower. Yep. You need a quarterback with a superpower. You need a quarterback that fixes problems for you, that doesn't make your offensive coordinator play call or have to be right all the time. It's why the Rams went out and got Matthew Stafford. It was to increase the margin of error. It was to give themselves some leeway in these moments, to literally expand what their offense could be. And with Burrow, their defense has brought them here over the last three games, but he has been that problem solver. He has been that, I'm going to make everything right even when it's all falling apart around me, four to five times a game yep. over the last three games. And that's it. It's been a dozen Joe Burrow plays and just a nothing, a nonstop throwing lightning bolts stretch here from Lou Anarumo and yep. that defense. And that's what the, the line we keep going back to is get a bucket. And what a star quarterback can do, and like you said, Stafford and Burrow get about get it to it in different ways, is no matter what the game script has been happening, no matter what's been going on in the game, we might have had two picks earlier in the game, we might have had a fumble, we might have gone down two scores, three scores, it's that at any time they can just go, all right, get on my, get on my back, let's yep. go. And honestly, last week, Burrow against the Chiefs, it was like, okay, it wasn't his best game, but all of a sudden, those big third downs, he's scrambling and scrambling and scrambling. It's like, that's getting a freaking bucket right there. He was taking it to the rack. It was not settling for a jumper. He was taking it to the rack. And that's the same thing that Stafford can do, too. If receivers short in such different ways, right? Such different ways. Such He's different not going to scramble. But the old end result is the same. Yes. And what drives it is ultimately the same. It's the same quality manifested in two entirely different ways. Yeah. And it's just like these teams. It's yeah. the same <laughs> end result, yeah. them being this game, manifested through in two entirely different means. Yeah. All right. Let's dig into this. I love Let's it. start with the Rams offense against the Bengals defense. First thing I want to talk about, right? We're so much we've discussed about what the Bengals did to the Chiefs offense. All the drop eight stuff, just how hyper specific and brilliantly deployed yeah. that defensive game plan was. In your mind, what is this game's version of that? Because I don't think they're going to do the same thing they did yeah. against the Chiefs because it's a different sort of offense. So if we talk about this defense's ability to kind of develop those hyper-specific game plan-oriented attacks, what does that version look like against the Rams? Or what should it look like in your mind? Yeah, and it's limiting big big plays. I mean, that, I mean that's what football is, is limiting the explosives. The Rams are built... In, in such a fun way, like where they can be efficient sometimes, but they can just take the top off, like literally at any, any point in time, like they're a convertible. And, but that, <laughs> I've never used that analogy before. I never will again. But, <laughs> but that's exactly like watching this Bengals defense get to their different coverages and, and feel, feeling like, okay, we got to turn the knob this way. We got to turn the knob this way. The Rams usually have answers for that. But, you still have to make it hard. You have to change up what your looks are. You have to change up. Are we going to go two high here, single high here? Are we going to cover two, deep cover two? Are we dropping eight? Oh, we're dropping eight, but we're going to change up what the look is of the drop eight. Are we going single high? Are we going one robber extra? All that type of stuff. That's what they have to do. They have to confuse Stafford enough. Stafford reads the game fairly well. Like He's not just a big arm you know, dummy. <laughs> he reads the game fairly well. If he knows exactly what you're going to be in, and you can see it happen against the 49ers, when he started to get a feel, it started keying in, going like, oh, okay, they're, they're in quarters right here. Okay, I got him. I'm going to start looking off the safety right here. 
that's what the Bengals got to avoid. You can't let him get comfortable. You can't let him start just predicting what you're going to be. Oh, it's second along. Here comes Tampa too. All right. I'm going to hit this backside dig on you. I'm going to hit this dagger. Like, you can't let it get to that point. It's going to happen. That's what good quarterbacks do. They make you guess wrong sometimes as a defensive coordinator. But that's, like, what they have to find. And, of course, they have to get pressure. And that's a way. That's how you rattle a quarterback. And they have to do it without blitzing because Stafford absolutely flamethrowers any blitz that can come at him. So let's talk about that in a second. I want to talk about just the idea of maybe the drop eight look and that being in there, an arrow in their quiver now being something they pull out again, because this, this Rams team, they still want to throw the ball. Yeah. Even though they're more willing to run the ball than the chiefs were for most of the season, the Rams rushing game has not been that efficient. They want to sling this thing around. That's who they are at their core. So if you look at it, Matthew so Stafford. Funny, I know it's, it's, it's so, so so different. So funny. I mean, that's it's, it's literally the reason that you trade for Matthew yeah. Stafford. And everyone's like, "Oh, it's a Shanahan offense." It's like, ah, that's, no, it's all the way It's really, it's really not. I mean, it's not as much anymore. Yeah. So you look at it, Matthew Stafford, twenty sixth in the NFL in EPA per dropback against drop eight looks this year. Two interceptions on thirty nine dropbacks. Okay. The only quarterbacks who were worse in terms of EPA per dropback against drop eight looks this year in the NFL. You ready for it? Okay. Jalen Hurts. Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Ben Roethlisberger. Oh my goodness! Are the only guys that were worse against drop eight looks this season than Matthew Stafford. So, wow, we say, is it more complicated than dropping eight again the same way against the Chiefs? <laughs> Maybe it doesn't have to be. All right, that seems like a good angle, doesn't it? And that's what ah, and drop eight so annoying because as a quarterback, because drop eight is like, oh, I know, like, all right, I know what this coverage is. They're not going to hide it. But then you just get this extra body in the throwing lane. If anyone's ever played basketball. And they were getting to it different ways, right? Yes. They were making it unpredictable enough where you hold on to it for one more beat. Yep. And it was drop eight to me when I, I first kind of like went against drop eight as a quarterback. It was Tampa 2, Tampa 2, Tampa 2, Tampa 2. Like that was just drop eight, Tampa 2, P2, P2. That's what they called it. And now P dropper. It always cracked me up. I was like, why is it called P dropper? Because it is. I was like, okay, P dropper. That's drop eight, I guess. <laughs> and what the Bengals did, especially last week, was they had like two snaps of three buzz. I was doing the Twitch stream on it. And I was like, all right, here's Trey Flowers. There's Dying Personnel. Here comes Robber again. Oh, shit. They want cover three here. Yeah. And that's what it is. That's it's, exactly what they want. Yes. Right? Just, it's lulling you, lulling you, lulling you, because that's what you need against this team. You need him to hold on to the ball yep. because you can't blitz. Yep. So if they go to more of those looks, not 45% of yeah. the time like they did against the Chiefs in the second half, but, but if they maybe. sprinkle it in a little bit more, yeah. and they've been willing to do it. Mm-hmm. They've, done, they've dropped eight more than any other defense in the league over the second half of this season, independent of the Chiefs game. So if they do that a little bit more often, what are the Rams' solutions that the Chiefs did not have in the conference championship game? <laughs> Change up your play calls first off. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, they're dropping eight against you. Let's stop running short game or quick game. The thing with drop eight, it, it's designed to beat the shit out of quick game. It, it, it just it gets arms in the lanes. If you ever played basketball, going to get two three zone. That's what it's doing. You're just putting arms in the lanes. It's like playing Syracuse. And when you're doing that, and the Chiefs. Really, this year especially, they're built off those five to ten yard throws, and they're also because that was the evolution they had to follow. Yes, when teams started playing more deep shells against, them. and that's what they it's, had to do. It's all, it's all circus. Isn't it amazing? It all comes Isn't back around, amazing? baby. It all comes. It's all connected, and so the Chiefs just kept running their stuff. They're running the high lows that actually we were. I'm going to pat myself on the back here, but that's what we thought they would do. They're high lows, but now they got the eighth guy there, and boom, that was like all of a sudden they just couldn't get to that spot. What the Rams do, it's though. high, low, low. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the Rams do, though, they have a willingness to run the ball, which is one way you get them out of it. Okay, they want to, they're expecting to drop into coverage. Now, oh, shit, i got to play the run. Yeah. The other way is beat them over the top. 
And the Rams are built to do that. That's why you have Matthew Stafford. They love, the Rams love being in empty formations. They did it last week on first and 10 against the 49ers. They've been doing this this whole season, starting against the Bears. What was that, week one, week two? Oh, my week God. Week one. Week one, right? It's all blended together. Oh my God, that was 20-something weeks ago. <laughs> that's, when, that's when Bengals fans were still, like, still pretty mad at me. So, <laughs> but anyways, it was, so the Rams will go into empty, and they'll, they'll use chip help with a running back in their tight end. They boom them. Uh, they bang the ends. But no, honestly, boom, I like boom them. They, they boom, boom them. them. That's funny because, <laughs> so real quick, we had different terminology for what the chip help was. So if it was tight end, it was bang. You know, if it was, if it was two, both the guys chipping, it was boom to me. So that's like, <laughs> it just like went back that's to good. about they five bo- years They boom them. They it boomed makes them. sense. It makes intuitive sense. They boomed it. What's so cool, most empty concepts are quick game, like I've, I've mentioned before. This is actually what Bengals fans know because they were so frustrated with the Zach Taylor offense last year. It was like, everyone's just rallying because we go empty and we run quick game. Everything's yeah. short. What the Rams do is run seven-step fucking Mike Martz concepts <laughs> <laughs> out of empty, and they push the ball down the field, and that's how you get them out of drop eight. They're trying to play t- uh, top down on you. All right, take the top off. Hit those intermediate areas, the 15 to 25-yard areas, and that's what the Rams are. Not, it's not like they can, they've never done it. Oh, it's not, Like you just said, it was how many drop eights that Stafford's got against 38. It's not like the Rams have only done this play thir- or this concept formation 38 times. They do it every game against every defense, and they have different concepts. They've run more to- empty than any other team in the NFL, and, and the ver- their version of it is unlike any other empty nope. package I've seen in the NFL, I think, ever since I've started watching it's- the game. Some teams would have it because you're trying to get an empty check, and it's just like, okay, you have like two plays of it. And it's just, just all this. They have like a whole package of plays on their call sheet just with this, these concepts. They get to sail. They get to uh, high-low scissor concepts. They get to like backside digs. They get to wide cross where Cooper Cup's coming across. The through line between all of those being aggressive, deeper concepts Deep. that you typically don't run out of empty Correct. looks. When you usually run those, those are seven-man protection concepts where you have the tight end chip helping, or it's where you see the back. Again, the Bengals offense has done this, which is kind of funny, where you have the tight end off, and then boom, they, they pick up the Sam, they pick up the Will. And it's been really cool what empty can do and I don't think the Bengals will bring much pressure, is it just lets you get a feel for what coverage you're going to get as a quarterback. You get to sit there and go, okay, okay, because you can't disguise as much. Everybody's spread out. You can't bring a slot pressure. Else, guy has to cap it all 15 yards out. Okay, I know what's coming over here. And the Rams offensive line does a really, really good job of picking stuff up and shorting stuff out. And that's like that's their strength. And so like their strength is one of their one of their quiver in their arrows, as you as you would say, one of their real the poison dart that they have is this formation. And, and getting to these plays. And that's really a great way to beat drop eight. And now the Rams are probably going to be expecting it. They're not going to be surprised like Mahomes and, and Andy Reid and all them were in the second half. So that's something that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, what is the curveball? What is the thing that they haven't seen? And that, I think that's the big question here I because I don't think it's as simple as we're going to do the same thing we did against yes. the Chiefs. It's a different offense. It's, they've already seen it for a lot of different reasons. You think one more wrinkle is coming. What that wrinkle looks like, I think, could go a long way in determining this game. Yeah. Like you mentioned. How are the Bengals going to get pressure without blitzing? Because that is, of all the things, we've talked about the Rams a ton this year, yep. right? We've spent a lot of oxygen we've spent on the Rams' offense. One aspect we have not talked about that much as it relates to the Rams is the way their offensive line is played. Yeah. They are, were sixth in the NFL, sixth lowest pressure rate allowed in the NFL this year, 22%, while averaging the sixth deepest passes in the league. That's pretty awesome. That's incredible, mm-hmm. that combination. And that's only possible because of the way they play up front. It's not a group laden with superstars. You know, you have Andrew Whitworth, who we all know. Yeah. Rob Hanstein's a good tackle. Brian Allen's had a really nice yeah. season. I mean, but they ripped that that, that yeah. all group. There was a lot of moving parts mm-hmm. there into training camp. Brian Allen only took over as the starting center in like mid-August. Yes. 
And they've, that group has really come together. And a lot of the reasons that the Rams' offense is dangerous, the backside dig is only possible if you have time to throw it. Yeah. And the expansion we talk about with their offense is made possible because Stafford has been protected. Yep. So if you can't blitz them, yep. how do you get pressure with four? Is there a team in your mind that has given the Bengals a potential blueprint for how you can bug this Rams offensive line and by extension this Rams passing game with the way that you try to attack them. And that's when you are dropping soft coverage, you have to run games up front. It, it's a, it's, it goes hand in hand like we say, everything's connected. If you're not going to blitz, we have to create edginess somehow some way. It is death to a defense to just run straight up the field over and over and over. Tackles, guards, they know what you're doing every single time. We know how to slide every single time. So what the Bengals can do Shift the front, and they just got to run games over and over and over. And the Titans game is the one that always comes to mind to me that the Rams lost against the Titans is that they were just picking the center. They were getting these guys edgy. You don't want the offensive line to be at different levels. You want it to be a pocket. The people watching the YouTube show can see me making a pocket right here with my hands. (laughs) (laughs) You want that pocket to be just like that. But it's like piano keys when everyone's kind of like at different levels. Bad. That is bad news for the offensive line, bad news for the quarterback. Again, Bengals fans know what this feeling is like, but they get out of it a lot of times. But you do not want that. I think that Titans game was a big wake-up call for them because that's when they were, they were feeling themselves. And, you yeah. Know, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, shit, our line can't hold up an empty. Like, like they're only rushing four. Like, they, they're not blitzing. Like, and you could see them really fix what they wanted to do. Like, the center wasn't turning as hard. Allen wasn't turning as hard and getting picked. He was kind of using his eyes and making sure he was going to the right spot and giving hands. But that is what the Bengals have to – if they only want to rush for it, that's what they have to do. They have to get some of these fun games, some of these fun designs, wear out the offensive line, get their heads moving without bringing five or more. It's only bringing four. And so you have those, the potential games with another team that has done that to affect against the Rams in the past in San Francisco. We've yes. seen that where you have some of these overload fronts. You have some of these twists and stunts. Yes. Just a way to get after them with four. The other thing that the Titans do a ton of – and it was a huge part of their defense and what made them successful. And an area that the Bengals, I think, naturally could drift into is that sim, sim pressure world. Yes. Because they're comfortable walking Pratt down as that to create a five-man front yeah. and then playing with who's coming and who's not. And I think that's another thing that you have to do. You have to create some confusion while ultimately bringing four guys. Yeah. How you do that is a yeah. question, but it has to be done. Yes. And one element of this that I think is really important, Andrew Whitworth is practicing full this week. He's been dinged up mm-hmm. over the course of the playoffs. Because that Trey Hendrickson Andrew Whitworth matchup, if Whitworth wasn't 100%, could be one of those few places where it's like, oh man, do the Bengals have an advantage here? Oh. And now if they don't, then you have to get even more creative if you're not going to be able to consistently compress the pocket from that side. So yeah. how the Bengals manufacture pressure with four and how they ultimately say, we're going to deploy these guys in this way to make you a little bit uncomfortable, that to me is going to be really, really important. That And that so great with the simulator. It's, it felt like it's so funny how many callbacks we're already having, and this is a different game, the Steelers-Bills game. And they confused the Bills and Josh Allen only bringing four, and you can see what that can do to a quarterback in the whole line. It's like, they're only bringing four, and one of them's a DB, and I don't know where to go with the ball. Last week, or I keep saying last week, but the championship game against the Chiefs, that, picks, uh, that pick that Mahomes had to uh, B.J. Hill, that was a simulated pressure. They dropped the end into the RPO, and Mahomes was like, what the hell is this? Uh, and you could see, honestly, his head, <laughs> his brain blew up. Like, you could see it happen on film. And honestly, that's, it's a rule breaker in a, in a sense. You're like, oh, they're bringing a DB, but they're dropping in. But they're only bringing four, and it can just really mess with your rules because just how they dictate things. If you want to be in six-man protection, you can waste the running back now. 
only bringing four, and now it's like they have a soft coverage. We're wasting a running back, so we're only getting four out against your seven. So you're just taking those. You're just making a little bit. Hey, we're not going to let you be 100%. You're going to be 85%. We're going to hold on to our hats and you know, hope that's enough throughout the game. What should the Rams' run game look like? What runs do you think they can get to based on how the Bengals play up front? If you were kind of building your run game menu for Sean McVay in this game, what would it look like for you? I, I, I love watching the Rams' run game, even if it has been great this year, because you can see them kind of like poking and prying and working on things. I can see a lot of counter concepts, a lot that, which they don't run a ton of. I can see, but counter why counter is pulling the guard and usually pulling a tight end as well. They usually throw in as a changeup, and I can see that still being one of their main changeups for this game. And just because of the front that the Bengals might be in, what uh, about the Bengals front lens to that being effective? Just the angle, so it might be an under front or even just more of a bearish front. Explain an under front. An under front is the nose is towards the tight end side, so you have a one technique or a two eye or head up, you know, but one technique, you know, head up is bare, but one one technique which is the outside shade of the center. And it's towards the tight end side. So that's an under. And in a bare front, it's okay. You have the center and the guards both covered. Counter is a good play against that because of the angles, how the guys have to pull and how the guys have to block. The bare front, we just explained, which remain Pratt walk down, which yes. allows them to run some of those simulated pressures potentially. They'll do that on early downs. Yes. So that's, again, just when he's walked down, 57 is, and they're in that 5-1 look, yep. which we've seen a lot against the Rams over yep. the last few years. That would be a potential run and, against that sort of look. And the other one was is the wineback, which I, I'm always going to love. We love the wineback play and at the that, Athletic Football and Show. And what's even better is they use Skarsgård on it, so it's just like a double whammy <laughs> for it. You know, if you, you know, give Cooper Cup a blow, and here comes Skarsgård wor- working around. Someone was like, was like, hey, you want to order this? They made a little Skarsgård custom jersey for me. <laughs> I was like, you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe if he catches a touchdown, we'll post this If week. you hit some of these props we're going to talk about later. Yeah, exactly. The other run that we can see, and I'm never going to – miss an opportunity to mention this play is duo and that's because duo against those fronts duos double teams again it's a basically a gap scheme but it's not without a puller and on duo you're creating double teams but when you see duo it actually happened against 49ers last week is it can hit anywhere that's the, the what duo is not just going to bounce it's not just going to hit up the front it's an at you run but the running back it can get washed down the, how the blocking is especially if they want to be in a bare front the all the blocking get washed down cooper cup can hit his big block on the outside the running backs can bounce it. And and Henderson might play. I think he is going to play. They, they got a little bit more speed. Akers is, you know, he's coming back a little bit. He's getting there. He's getting there. He's about, I don't know what he is. I, I still can't believe he's playing with after an Achilles seven months ago. But those guys can bounce it. So you might see one of those. And that when you bounce it, it makes the corners tackle. So they're going to put it on the corners. But what are the Bengals really good at? Tackling. They're, yeah. they're very fundamentally sound just as a whole team. So those are the type of runs that I can really see. And Every time you see wine back, I won't make sure I'll make sure to tweet it out. So because <laughs> I'm going to be so excited about it. The Niners did a really good job against the Rams for the most part when they played against each other a couple weeks ago, especially in early downs. Forced the Rams into some third and mediums throughout the game. They crushed them in those third and medium situations, and specifically Cooper crushed Cooper Cup crushed them <laughs> in those third and medium situations. I am an audio professional. He destroyed them in those moments. That is where the Rams, in my opinion, won that game was on third and seven consistently. When the Rams get into those situations, most teams on third down play a lot of man coverage, just the way that it typically goes. And the Bengals are no exception, right? They do play a lot of man coverage on third down, even if it's less than they might have last year. If the Rams come out in those moments and they're in those formations where you have a two-man stack with Cooper Cup as the second man in the stack, they do that in order to get him a free release on some of those choice rounds. They put him in space against a slot corner, even in one that's pretty solid like K1 Williams, just has no chance. Yep. There are just too many different options on the table, literally option routes for Cooper <laughs> Cup 
in those moments because we've seen it. He's willing to take it outside if you're playing inside leverage. He's willing to take it inside if you're playing outside leverage. Or on that touchdown, yep. he's willing to take it vertical if those two options aren't enough. Yep. So if you are the Bengals, they're in that two, they're in that stack look with cup offset, Van Jefferson in front of him. It's third and seven. What are you doing? to slow down Cooper Cup in those specific situations. And this is where that robber comes into play. And I, I'm very curious. Uh, I, it's funny because we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to see if they earn that dying personnel. Because when they have Trey Flowers in there, which might be a Chiefs-only defense that they do. Because in our minds, he was like a Kelsey stopper. Yes. He had, he'd played a little bit more over the second half of the season, but he was in there specifically, in our opinion, because his body type, if you're going to play a lot of man coverage, which they did yep. against the Chiefs, is just a really good way to attack Travis Kelsey. One-on-one. On one. But if they're in this robber, I don't think they want to live in two-man, which, you know, we... They're not, Stafford's not going to run it, but Stafford will throw that freaking seller out to Cooper Cup over and over and over. And that's the problem with two man is there are answers to it. It's just, you know, quarterbacks got to make a throw. They're hard answers, but he's a hard answer yes, thrower. Exactly. He the hard downs for the Rams are not as hard as they are for other Correct. teams. Correct. And so when that, if you want to do Robert, what Robert can essentially do is create a bracket on Cooper Cup. And you'll have the safety rotating down opposite of what side Cooper Cup's on. So if the guy, if the guy pressing Cooper Cup or playing off, however they want to do it, is outside leverage, then you have this robber being inside leverage. So if you want to angle it, if you want to take it out, okay, in theory, we should have you covered. What's going to happen is now, what's the second answer for the Rams? They have willingness to answer in other ways. They have this guy named Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> they also take, take into account, and that's why you have a guy like OBJ, because you're going, okay, if you want to play Cooper Cup and play man and, and take him out of the game, well, we got this other guy. This other guy can you know beat you man-to-man. That's that's the formula that you're going to see a lot of that on third down. It's and also if you want to play soft coverages, that's the other way too. That's the other way is okay. They want to run all these choice routes. Well, let's make them check it down. The third option, well, the double move is the other. That's kind of the ultimate change up. The third option on those choice routes is if it's if it's zone, is they just sit in space. Yeah, I would much rather have Cooper Cup catching at five yards than taking an angle route <laughs> and going right up the middle. So that's another thing they could say is like, hey, we'll just try and beat us with a million gashes. Do those, I mean, I, so simple, too simple sometimes to frame it as this way. It's like, we'll just double him. When you play some of those man coverages, I mean, the Patriots do this all the time. Yep. One double whoever. You True double teams in those man coverage looks, if you take that robber and you make him a true double player. Yep. Is that harder to do when you're in those stacks and he's set off the line of scrimmage? Yes. And also with motion. The Rams will do so much shifting. and just slight shifts in motion. It's, hey, this guy's tight split to outside split. We'll switch to where the receivers are. So they'll have like two receivers next to each other. And then they'll just flop their spots. So, like, that's, like, what can be interesting with that. And that's why the Belichick defense, when they want to do the one double 17, one double 10, any of that, is that all the rules are based on where they lined. Okay, we're saying one, we're doubling number 10. Okay, if he's in the slot, these are our rules. If he's the lone receiver, these are our rules. If he's in the number three spot, these are our rules. That's where it gets tough if you're just throwing this in here for, you know, a week's game plan is doing that. It's like you said, if you put him in the slot, you do that. Okay, they can manufacture looks where you get the double out of the play, and then you just got to pray that your, your number one corner, in theory, that's what you're going to put on, can win one-on-one on the other side. So if you think about it just structurally, yeah. if you have that second safety as a true double look on Cooper Cup, and he's in the right slot, let's yeah. say, in that yeah. stack, that's a lot of space over there on the other side for Odell Beckham. You're creating a true one-on-one for him over there against the Chidobi Awuzie. Yeah who's had a really nice season, mm-hmm. that's still a tough assignment. Yes. So that, to me, is why, when we're going to talk about it a little bit later, 
it could be a big Odell Beckham game. Mm-hmm. If they're going to have this, if their version of a hyper-specific game plan this week is to say Cooper Cup is not going to beat us, he's not catching 11 balls yep. in this game, then that's why Odell Beckham is here. Yes. And I feel like that's exactly the type of matchup to watch. One kind of specific down-and-distance situation that you thought was pretty interesting was something that we see from the Bengals on second and long yeah. and an answer the Rams might have for it. So in those second and long situations, what did you notice that the Bengals like to do a lot of? So, yeah, second and long, which I consider second and seven plus, uh, is they like to be in Tampa 2. And they just sit in it. The Tampa 2 is cover 2, and you have the linebacker running right down the pipe. What a play that is a common beater against this is a dagger concept, which is a seam with a dig behind it. And you see T. Higgins, which we're going to talk about, is this is his special. Uh, but the Rams like it too. They do a three-man side. It's not just two-man seam dagger. They like to have, they'll go into empty formation, tight end will chip, and then he'll just get to seven yards. They run their check down really deep. Like the underneath route will be at seven yards. Most, time, most teams teach that at four. And it's really frustrating because it, there's not a lot of emphasis on that. And those tight ends will be at like two yards. And you're like checking it down at two yards. It's like, no, get your freaking depth. And, you know, so we can actually get a first down here. So they really, like, they push, push, push. They're always attacking. So if you have this dagger concept, when I was in Wisconsin, I'm not really revealing anything here. When I was in Wisconsin, we called this play Tampa because it was a Tampa to beat it. It's amazing <laughs> these terms that we come up, uh, come up with. But that's I can't wait for the text you're going to get from Paul Chris tomorrow. Just being you like, mother, you asshole. You mother of her. Yeah. And then the playoff that was Hooters because Hooters was found in Clearwater. So, yeah, <laughs> that was the other one. But the other play, too, and this is why you have Odell. If you're going to go into trips formation, he's your X receiver. Your lone receiver is backside dicks. And I think that's, that's the Odell. That's why you get Odell. Robert Woods running those. It's nice. He runs a nice route. Okay, cool. Catch and tackle. Odell catches those. They're going to go out the gate. Especially if you got one guy misses a tackle. That's why you bring in Odell. The yards that he creates after the catch. So if I see either a front side dig with Odell or a backside dig with Odell, especially on second and long, I think that's an area that they can attack. It's like it's almost like it's a bad situation for the Rams. Second and long, you never want to be in second and long because probably an inefficient run play that they ran. Okay, well, we'll just hit a dagger on you. <laughs> and if not, we'll check it down for seven yards and get it to third and one or a first down if the guy breaks a tackle. It's funny. So in those situations this year, the Bengals, second and long, playing cover two, they did a lot of it. One of the highest rates in the entire league, I think the sixth most snaps in that specific situation of any defense in the league. Second highest EPA per play in that exact scenario. The only team that was ahead of them was the Bills. And we've just, so often over the last month, especially the last six weeks, we've talked about how similar the feel yeah. is between the Bills and the Bengals and just the way that they like to play, the yeah. way that they their defense is built, just the smart guys they have on the back end. A ton of similarities there, so I thought that was just an, a nice little idiosyncrasy kind of curiosity. It's really fun. I, I want to talk about one more one-by-four concept. Lay it on me, okay. buddy. It's empty, but what's really cool is the Rams will get in literally – when you usually say – I'll say four-strong or a four-by-one concept, it's usually the uh, team's in a trips formation, and they motion the back right at the snap of the ball. It's a speed motion. You're creating a four-strong. Um, the play that Skarsgård dropped the touchdown on, I still, I still don't know. Like Skarsgård kind of like took it in a little bit, and Safford could have like you know laid it up. It's one of those. That's the play that the the Rams squandered a touchdown yes. on. No, if you're, no, that's no the best matter way where you're going to lay the blame. I no, I want Skarsgård to do well. He, he's he's a main character this season. So, <laughs> so what's cool is the Rams will straight up be. He's not a main character. Yeah, he's, no, he's Alexander like, Skarsgård on Succession. He is a he's a bit character. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, exactly. But it's. <laughs> No, he's Pennywise. No, and they go one by four formation, and what's so cool? So it's the tight ends isolated, close split. He's chipping, and then they have four strong to the other side. They have three receivers and the running back near the left tackle, Whitworth. And on this play, I called it Super Sale. 
Because what they did is they had Van, Van Jefferson running all the way across to occupy the backside safety. And then they just ran a sail concept with Cooper Cup running the sail, which is he is phenomenal on. It's probably one of his best routes because he, he knows how to sell the over. The overs and sail routes work in hand in hand. It's, I mean, that's the three angles you can go straight to the right to the left, right? So they work hand in hand. And on this play, they create a funky formation. So defense has to communicate right off the bat. Okay, hey, push, push, push. We have to do this. Check down, ties down the backside. You got Van Jefferson taking a backside safety. And then you got, okay, are you going to have Cooper Cup on the sail route or are you going to have OBJ over the top? Pick your poison. That play, I don't think Scarsgar was supposed to be in there. I think OBJ was supposed to be on the poster out there. I think he was taking a blow and then they called that play, which happens sometimes, which is hilarious. Like, it's like, oh, this play. Hey, wait, why isn't Odell in there? Like, it happens all the time, especially with running backs. But, anyways, on that play, I called Super Sale. I'm curious if they get into any more of those kind of funky one by four looks, is how I call them. The one other thing I wanted to mention on this side of the ball, if Higby is 70%, what impact do you think that has on the game? Because the way that I'm thinking about it, some cheapies on screens, which we've seen from him a lot of this, in a lot of situations. Something else they do with him is when they're trying to dictate coverage at certain aspects of the game, they'll line him up out right to the right. Yep. Because it's like, all right, well, you're going to tell us, man, if the Bengals want to live in a dime world with Trey Flowers on him in those situations, that feels like something they can do. Yep. But if he's out there and you put a linebacker on him in those moments because they're playing more nickel mm-hmm. – that's a matchup advantage if oh, yeah. he's in that spot for the Rams. If it's Blanton, yeah. then I was trying to think of the name of the Rams. I, just looked, it, I just looked it up. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I don't know his first name. It's Kendall, isn't Kendall, it? Kendall, right? So, yeah. all right. So, Ken, if it's Kendall Blanton, it's a slightly different calculation for the Rams there. Yeah. So, obviously, Tyler Higby is not the most important piece on the Rams offense. But if he doesn't play or he's not 100%, just something to take into mm-hmm. account, something to think about as we move forward. Because it could be a big Higby game like if he was healthy. Like, just like, that's such a great point. Because not only the underneath stuff, the screen stuff. When they, they – there's a nice – it was a really cool sequence to watch against the 49ers. Um, after Higby got hurt, they ran a – like a – out from, from cup, almost like a sale – and then they had Blanton as the lone receiver out there to give a man zone indicator of what they're bringing. And so Blanton's running the vertical route, the takeoff. And then the corner is like, oh, screw that. I'm not going with him. And almost takes Cup's head off. He gets the catch. It was a first down. And then later in the game, the Rams are like, okay, we noticed that. So they put OBJ on the vertical route <laughs> and then had Cup running the same thing. And so the corner fall, falls off again. And then that's when he hit the whole shot to OBJ. Where he yeah. it, was, it was all set up. They were like, oh, shit, let's put some speed out there. But they like to use their tight ends as man zone tells. They'll put them at the number two spot. They'll put them all the way outside in unusual spots. A typical three-by-one formation is X receiver is the lone receiver. Y tight end. The tight end's the number three spot closest to the tackle. If we're going to the right, it's the right tackle. Then it's the slot. Then it's the Z receiver. That's what it looks like. What's really cool with the Rams is, yeah, they're in trips. They're in three-by-one. But that tight end could be at any, of the, any yeah. of the four spots. And they get indicators with that. And it's just something simple. But when you do it over and over, the quarterback can just go, Okay, we're, all right, all right, cool. All right, oh we, oh, we got a linebacker on the slot over there. That's not normal. All right, we're probably getting man here. Yada, yada, yada. So you can get those indicators, and that's what's, that's really cool about the Rams offense. They, they don't run any crazy shit. I, I know I just made up that whole one-by-four thing, which is really cool, but it's not like the craziest concept they ran. It's just a little window. But it all dressing. connects. It all, it all makes connects. sense. And even just the amount, the sheer amount of bunches and stacks that yep. they run, if you're a team like the Bengals that has – really weaponized man coverage in certain moments yeah. in the playoffs. And that's what they did against the Chiefs. Yes. They, they took certain weird versions of man and they weaponized it in the most important moments of the season. 
the Rams are very comfortable if you want to sit there and play yeah. funky types of man coverage because they'll line up in trips, bunch formations, and make it hard on you the entire game. Yeah, and you're praying your nickel can handle Cooper Cup, and it's like, okay, you want to double him? All right, well, we got this other guy. That I, I hate to break it to you. Spoiler alert. Nichols have not been able to handle no. Cooper Cup this no. season. No. So unless they're putting two guys on him as either a true double team or some of these robber looks that make it a de facto double team, I think it could be a that, long day. That double move on K1 Williams is like the touchdown that uh, to tie the game, I think it was against the 49ers or take the lead, but whatever, make it a close game. It was just, it was like a whole season of setup to that play. <laughs> because and that's looked, why they're so good, right? Yeah. The sequencing is insane. It I is. Mean, it, the sequencing and just like, we're going to swap these two guys. Yep. We're going to swap these two guys in this exact moment. And even having your best receiver line up in the slot on 70% of the plays is a tiny little advantage and yep. matchup breaker that the Rams can tap into with a lot of other teams can't. Yeah. And that's why the quarterback, that's why Stafford can operate so quick because they run the same concepts, but they just put everyone in different spots. And that's what, that's what good like past concepts get to. I think a lot of coaches can get caught up and going like, oh, if you get this guy here, and it's like a concept you've never run before. They just run the same stuff and they just tweak where they go and then they get the indicators they need and then they run a change up right at the right moment. You know, as long as McVay doesn't throw too many challenge flags early and gets like a little too ahead of himself, gets a little too cute. As long as he just stick to the plan, he'll be fine. I don't want to belabor this, but I do think it's worth mentioning that the game management side of this is one area where the Rams could be at a disadvantage. If there are some questionable fourth and short calls if there are some timeout taken in inopportune moments for the rams that has been a spot where they're not always in the best situation yep. and that could become a factor in this game i don't there's no real anal, there's no more analyzing no, no, to be no. done there but right. i just think it's worth mentioning always it, the human element <laughs> as, as part of this right looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, let's get to the Bengals defense. Excuse me, let's get to the Bengals offense against the Rams defense. It feels like the Rams defense is kind of set up to be a problem for the Bengals offense. We'll get to the matchups up front. We'll get to the mismatches up front. That's a whole different thing. But as Sheil and Ted pointed out in the piece they wrote this week, Burrow has crushed man coverage this year and single high defenses this year. What do the Rams not do? Right, They right. don't play man, yep. and they play more two-deep shells than any other team in the NFL. They're a super zone-heavy team, and they play with a ton of that. We're putting the roof over you. Coverage shell, at least, yep. based off base defense. Burrow this year, 18th in the NFL in EPA per play against two high looks. Second, I believe, against man. So just on its face, if you're doing tail of the tape yep. between these two units... It's not exactly the easiest matchup for Cincinnati, even before we get to the personnel yeah. that for the Rams is very, very good. Hey, of course, we all know it. We know the front stuff. I mean, we, I've already made several jokes about it, like, you know, going Sewell and all that. 
but honestly, watching that Broncos game back, and we both did it, and watching, I think it was week 15, and watching that game back and seeing how it confounded them. Not just Burrow. A he struggled bit. against the Fangio defense. He did. Because it's the two, the, when they played the Broncos and they played the Chargers, it, it did not go well. It didn't. It didn't. It's just because that defense, because you're taking away a whole area of the field, by, just like we were just talking about with Cooper Cup maybe getting double teamed, in a sense getting double teamed with the robber stuff, is that, okay, one, you don't always know which guy's rotating down. You have an idea. You some, most times it's the weak safety, but you never know. That guy can rotate down. And then on top of it, you're making it, it has to be outside throws, which again, you throws comfortable with. We have between Jamar Chase, usually to the right-hand side. But if the whole defense knows that's the area you attack, you attack, okay, we can play a certain way. We can play on top and rally underneath. We don't have to worry about the flat areas. You kind of dictate them without running anything crazy for you as a defense. And really, as a quarterback, it's annoying. Like, Robber is annoying. It, it, that's the best way I can put it. It's just annoying because you're like, this guy's coming down. It's not a linebacker just standing there at five yards as a whole player going like, all right, where's the crosser I'm looking up? It's a safety who has eyes on everything, working his way down, looking where you're going. Like, honestly, watching the Bengals' defense do this last week against the Chiefs, it was awesome. The Chiefs ran mesh, and they were running robber. I know we're talking about the Rams' defense, but the Bengals' defense did this. They're running robber, and they passed everything off, and it was like, Mahomes was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's what it does to quarterbacks. He's like, oh, man, perfect. We got a crosser coming. Oh, oh, God, that crosser. Oh, my God, the safety just drove and it's about to knock his head off. Oh, I got to scramble. Or, oh, okay, mesh is open. Or I'm just making up. Mesh is going right here. Oh, we got to hit the backside. But then if you have an offensive line that's very holy, and holy, not like blessed, but <laughs> it's full of holes, full of holes, is that, oh, I can't get to that second option because now I have to hold on to the ball. And it becomes a, a real glorified scramble drill. So that's what it does to you. It just makes the quarterback just hold on to the ball, just like a pressure can, but make him hold on to the ball and just go like, okay, where's my spot? Do I just take go balls over and over? I don't want to do that. Burrow might, like it's worked for him a little bit, but sometimes that's considered a win for the defense, and especially how the Rams want to play when they have this guy named Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> so let's talk about Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Because I think that that matchup and the way that they choose to use him is one of the biggest curiosities about this entire game. Yes. So. What do the Rams do, or what should the Rams do in your mind with Jalen Ramsey as it relates to Jamar Chase? It's <laughs> make sure he's on his side <laughs> is the one one way to start. They the Bengals like to have Chase on the outside as an X, uh, and I keep saying X, but the lone receiver. If it's a two by two formation, being on the outside, they started throughout the year and kind of um, when they Chase kind of like had about five or six quiet weeks, and then the set, like in the last four or five games he blew up again. And that was because they started moving him around a little bit. They went to empty, put him in the slot. They put him just like they motioned him a little bit. They ran screens to him. They're just trying to make it pop a little bit. I just think that this Rams team, because they have the superstar in Jalen Ramsey, just as they're treating Debo Samuel, it's like, okay, they're learning how to just lock on the guy. And I think that's what you do. If you're in man or any semblance of man, okay, we're going to have him to his side. Or if we're going to be in a pressure, if we run the five-man, the five-zero look and, and bring the five guys, they run it, and it's not true man. It's a true match coverage. Um, I said this to you earlier. The, when match coverage clicked in my brain is that someone said to me, a defensive coach, said it's pressure coverage without the pressure. And so it's I have number three. I don't have this guy, but I have the number three spot. I have the number one spot. And I just think that Ramsey, if they're going to do that kind of stuff, it's always going to be the chase's side. If they want to motion after that, okay, that's a whole other story. But I think that's what you have to do. But so that's let's talk about the motions yeah. because I think if you're the Bengals and they're willing to shadow him, which I think makes a ton of sense, right? What are the ways that you avoid that? I think it's twofold. You put him in the slot. Yep. You try to hide him 
from Ramsey on the outside as often as you can. Yep. That would be a tendency breaker. You have two weeks to prepare for this game. Yes. We've seen a lot of weird wrinkles and weird change-ups thrown in Super Bowls before. I think that would be a way to do it. Yep. And another way to do it is you use more motion than you want to. Yep. You look back at that Broncos game, especially early in the game, they're using a lot of jet motion mm-hmm. because they want the Broncos to declare which of those safeties is coming down. So I think by motioning Chase a decent amount in this game, one, you can help declare coverage. Yep. Two, you can get him away from Jalen Ramsey. Yep. Because if you look at the way that Ramsey has been used, especially in the back half of the season, he's only been in the slot on 8% of snaps in the playoffs, according to next-gen stats. He was in the slot on 34% of snaps during the regular season. They've put him back outside. So if you're going to put him in motion, Chase, and yep. you're going to put him in the slot, it may be a way to get him away from Ramsey, even if that's the way that the Rams want to use him in this game. And that's a, it's funny because, I mean, these guys are also competitive, competitive and stuff. And it's like, oh, they're high enough. He can't win one-on-one. It's like, no, you want this. Why? My, well, why lean into it? It's amazing. that like, uh, play, They talk themselves and say, you're going to beat him. Again. It's like, no, let's get him on some, some scrub. And like, let's let him dominate when you can. It's hilarious. I'm telling you, just how coaches and players work. But no, that's exactly it. Using the motion, using some of those... Tying it in on the pass play as well, using the motion on passes. I, I think uh, uh, the Bengals have a hesitance. They're about average, I think, in, in about motion rate, about runs and passes. I think Seth Walter had a nice tweet about it. Um, but using that kind of stuff, because it just changes up the look. What did we say it was the one double coverage with the Patriots? How do you make it hard on them? Well, you got to put them in different spots. You don't just put them as the X receiver, the lone guy. You don't become predictable. It's, you can run the same concepts. The Bengals like to run. They have core concepts. They like to run. Okay. And so we've run this 989 concept that we've hit Jamar Chase on the go ball. Let's put Jamar Chase at the eight route, you know, in the middle and have him run an inside dig, you know, stuff like that. It's just little change ups. Get this guy in the isolated spots and away from the other superstar that he might be going across. It sounds again, sometimes this sounds simple. Oh, put him on motion. It works. <laughs> it just freaking hide works. Him. Yeah. Just, and because the Bengals, we've talked about this. They like a more static picture yep. because that's why they line up a shotgun. They like to give Joe Burrow an understanding of what he's about to face. Yes. That gives him an advantage. But against this team, if you're going to, the Rams want to run zone coverage. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to put Chase in the backside of three by one sets, even if the Rams are playing quarters or playing cover three, it's not quarters or cover three to that side. It's yeah. man. That's, that's man. the entire reason that Jalen Ramsey is as valuable as he is, yes. is because for a zone heavy team, he essentially plays man coverage mm-hmm. in those situations. So if you're going to put Jamar Chase out there, you're inviting one-on-one matchups with arguably the best cornerback in the league. That doesn't make sense. Nope. It's not a smart way to play. It's not the path of least resistance in this game. Hiding him isn't some sign of weakness or cowardice. No. It's the easiest way to make the game simpler for your offense. And it was really the Bengals. Again, it's such a good point that you made is that they have two weeks to prepare. It's like coming off a bye week. If you this Bengals entire offense shifted after their bye week during the regular season, that's just how they emphasize certain things. Okay, if they have great tape to watch because of how the Rams use Ramsey on Debo Samuel. And if you watch it in the 49ers game, it was Debo Samuel would be a little like it'll be a two by two formation or something of that sort. Okay, we're just gonna motion him across and now you're wasting Ramsey on a back uh, tight end chipping. You know, and it's just like so Ramsey's hanging out back there. Okay, that's great film you can copy. <laughs> it's just going like, oh well, you could just do that. So even if it's like there's not their first idea, they're gonna be watching those games and going like, oh, okay, well, we can just utilize those types of formations. Okay, what do we like to run out of that formation? Okay, so we start in two by two, we go to one by three. Okay, how do we do that? All right, this, this, and that. And so they have stuff to work off. They have a, a game plan, a blueprint that they can kind of copy a little bit. The one other aspect of this, just in that specific matchup, and I want to get into how it affects the other receivers in this yep. game as well, but 
The Rams played more off coverage than any other team in the league this year, according to Next Gen. Jamar Chase flamed teams that played him off this year. Even if he's better against press covers than we thought he was going to be, yes. he still is worse when you try to muscle him up the line of scrimmage than he's been when you give him free releases. Are the Rams more comfortable if he's going to play outside and Ramsey is going to be over him, letting him be up there right in his face mm-hmm. for most of this game in the way that they don't typically play? Again, just a little wrinkle that might be tailored specifically to this matchup. I, I'm so excited about this potential matchup that we'll get like three snaps. All right, of course I, we will. I, yeah, course. I, I remember, but we have to talk about we it. We do. I remember in like 1999, uh, uh, Moss played Dion. Like it was like the first time Moss and Dion went went against each other. Dion Sanders when he was with the Cowboys and it was everyone's geeked up the whole whole week. They lined up against each other two snaps. It was just like <laughs> it's like oh whatever. I still vividly remember that. But yeah, exact same thing. So if we do get a world where Jalen Ramsey and Jamar Chase are lined up over each other and that matchup does happen, what does that mean for T. Higgins in this game in your mind? Who will likely in those situations be lined up against Darius Williams, who is my size. <laughs> Not an exaggeration. That's so, by the way, we, we talked about, but we watch. I, I've, I've never met Justin Herbert in person. I didn't meet him. But I saw him walk by. It's like holy shit! Like it's like I know I'm tall, but it was like this guy is an athlete. Like that guy is like yeah. No wonder you look like you look. Uh, but, lies. Darius Williams is two inches shorter than me. We no weigh way. the same. He's five nine. So, we you, weigh the same. so you have say we one eighty seven. This is pretty much exactly <laughs> where I'm at right now. After all the pasta I've eaten this week, it might be more than that. But he's five nine. You have six five. Yeah. T Higgins, true ball winner. T Higgins. They have two. Uh, after the T Higgins game the other day, it was it, they have two X receivers. We I say Chase is the X. T Higgins is a true. Yes, he's a real X. A traditional X receiver. The guys I love is like that. Oh, true ball winner. And the ways they really like to get T. Higgins involved is, okay, if you want to play zone, zone coverage, we're going to get him on digs and inbreakers. We're going to just get him on those routes coming from the outside and finding this voided area, the intermediate area that really we just talked about with the Rams, too. Same concept, dagger. They love dagger. They love having him on the inbreaker. The 49ers game is like the best one where you could see T. Higgins like it opened up. It was like a revelation for the Bengals offense. Like, oh, shit, we can use this guy on this? Oh, that's fun. We just have him going across. The other play is think the Bengals like being an empty. They've learned to like utilize new concepts out there. They don't run as much quick game. It's more intermediate five-step, which is the intermediate type of concepts that you see in more. You're attacking the 8 to 18-yard areas. They run this concept where they'll have T. Higgins all the way on the outside to the trip side, and they're out of empty. And then they'll have Jamar Chase on the slot to the left. I'm just going to right-hand formation here. They'll have the tight end all the way out, singled up with Chase. They'll run two Higgins side. They'll run two verticals, and they just have T. Higgins running underneath. Just a little tiny crosser, a little it drag underneath. It's a, new, it's a different way to create a high-low, and that's the best way I can put it is you have these two vertical routes. You don't have a bender coming right behind them. It's like a true high, but it's more like a runoff. It's like, it's like a screen without a screen, like without blocking. Yes. That, that's really what it is. And then you got big-ass 6'5 T. Higgins running underneath, who's my height, <laughs> running underneath. And then you got a guy that's, like you said, your size trying to tackle that. That's hard to tackle. That's a big man. Not, and not even just tackling, but also the frame. Yeah. And that's why, so that play that you're talking about, we mentioned it earlier today when you and I were talking, they ran against the Broncos. And when I saw that happen, it was like a eureka moment. Ooh. It was like, aha, uh-huh. that absolutely could work if they're doing more empty. Yep. And then the other side of this is, how many slants are we going to see? Yeah. Because if you have that, we, when we think of big body receivers, we think of ball winning, down the field, jump balls, all that shit. 
If you're running slants, that catch radius comes up. Think about what the Bengals were doing late in that game against the Chiefs. Yep. It was Joe Burrow bullshit, or it was T. Higgins slants. Yep. That was the offense. Yep. So having that breaking case of emergency side of this, I think is really, really important to take into account. They'll go empty, and they also do this out of like three by one, and they use the back on it. So we, people have made fun of McCarthy's, Rogers' years with slant flats. The thing about slant flats and why they ran it all the time, and really – the little hidden story about this is Rodgers used to check into that. It's not just McCarthy calling that. It's Rodgers like that play because he always had answers to every coverage in theory. Uh, you know, unless the defense is playing hard, and that's what defenses started to realize. Oh, you want to just keep running a quick game against us? All right, we're just going to tackle on some four-yard game. Like, nice, inefficient run you basically did. So with the Bengals run it, they'll either go in like a three-by-one. They do have empty as well. They're on slant, flat, slant flats, and they'll have the back run the flat uh, off to the side, and they'll have Uzama. Ha, ha, ha. Got his name right. <laughs> They'll have Uzama. This is where you see it. Hi, Mina. I think we're on camera. We are. <laughs> you are on camera. We are on camera. <laughs> Mina Kimes. Rams 21, Bengals 28. Oh, all right. Still the under. <laughs> this is where you get it ready or row. Huh? Are, you, are you joining the crowd over there? Are you going to crowd surf with them? No, I'm actually like a huge Mac fan. That's why I'm here. <laughs> How you doing? What are we talking about? Oh, <laughs> we're, we're talking about podcasts. We're doing, yeah, yeah, this is what we do here. Yeah. We got, we're talking about mm-hmm. Uzama and Slant Flats. I love those whip routes. <laughs> <laughs> next, that's next. Spoilers. So, see you, we talk about Higgins uh, doing that second kind of thing. Do, we're talking about Higgins as that secondary receiver. What does this mean for Tyler Boyd and even Joe Mixon? Because one of the things they do with that Slant Flat with the Bengals, they'll have Mixon run. The flat. Yeah. And if we're talking about some of the weaknesses of this Rams defense, you're putting Troy Reader in that space, yep. trying to get him playing out there. And then the other side of this, I, I think if we're talking about empty and we're talking about the Bengals version of empty, just imagine it in your mind and imagine what that does to the Rams. If Troy, if Tyler Boyd is in that number three spot in those empty formations, you got Troy Reader if he's in the game. I want to talk about that in a second. If he's that single linebacker in that moment, you have that number three receiver playing against him in space. Do we see some of those whips from Tyler Boyd? Do we see some of those choice or option routes in those third and short, third and medium sort of scenarios? Mm-hmm. If we're going to have this entire game plan defensively structured to stop Chase, which makes sense, do we have Higgins on those inbreakers against Darius Williams? And do we have Tyler Boyd in space against whoever's playing linebacker? That, to me, is how you start building this game plan for the Bengals that works. And mentioned the empty before and that it gives a picture to the quarterback. Hey, if you want to bring a pressure, we see this. If you want to hide the coverage, okay. We're in empty, and you got a lot of ground to cover backside safety. You know, that's what empty can do. It can strain the defense horizontally as as far as pre-snap look. And the limitations are, if you don't chip help like the Rams do, is, yeah, it can feel tight. Everything can just feel tight. That play is like with the Bengals, that play is like the epitome of what they've, like, this next step they've taken out of the empty formations is because if you want to be an empty, if you want to run a 5-0 front, if you want to run soft coverage – and we can manipulate where we go. I just mentioned the three-by-one formation going wide tight end at the three spot. Bengals do some fun stuff, like you said, where they put Boyd where the tight end should be. Yep. And so they'll run four verts. And on a four verts concept, usually it's the running back running like a little inside-out route. Like how he can just have a two-way go. Called a balloon route because it can go any which way. <laughs> and uh, so they'll have Boyd on that. So what they do, and teams will do this. And basically it's like a designed 
choice route check down. It's a, I guess it's a choice. It's a jerk. It's yeah, a whatever jerk, you want. You want to call it's whatever it. you want it to be. Yes, yeah. it's a balloon. Yeah. <laughs> Go any which way. So what it does though, if you want to be in a okay zone coverage, okay, you're going to be a quarter shell. That's what the Rams will be in pre-snap. You want to be in a quarter shell. All right. Well, there's your linebacker who we have identified several times on this show and not in a good way in coverage against a good slot receiver, one of the better slot receivers in the league who can probably tear him up to pieces. So I see a possible timeline here where we don't get a lot of Troy Reader in this game. Mm. I have it on good authority because Jordan Rodriguez covers the Rams. I was talking to her earlier. And she's amazing. That Weddle <laughs> is wearing the dot. Okay. Uh. They're going to have to keep him on the field. I think that there are going to be moments in this game. What a callback. A safety green dot, man. Safety, <laughs> safety green dot. And a safety who's been back in the league for two weeks that didn't run this defense before a month ago. <laughs> He's like, it's, yeah, I got it. it's insane. Okay. He's so, drawing him up in the dirt. Like so chest. Taylor Rapp is healthy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yep. The Rams ran dime personnel, the third most of any team in the league during the regular season. 26% of snaps according to Next Gen. Okay. They've run it 2% of the time in the playoffs. Okay. Taylor Rapp's been hurt yep. the entire playoffs. Yep. Ernest Jones, who's the linebacker they won on the field, mm-hmm. has been on a pitch count. Two weeks to prepare. Rap is back. You don't want Troy Reader on the field that much. You need Weddle on the field because he's calling the plays for you. Yeah. Do we see a world where they're in dime, Burgess and Scott are on the back end, it's Weddle and Jones in those two linebacker spots where you feel much better about the matchups, you feel much better, period, about getting dime personnel back on the field because it's your best set of players, yep. especially against a team where you're not worried about them running the ball on you. And we talk about best five, getting your best five out there for the offense, like a basketball lineup. Same with the defense. Get your best plays out there. It's like, honestly, Weddle coming off the, off the streets, it's like, yeah, he's one of your better players because he's just heady. Well, that's, let's think of the matchup, right? Yep. So let's just think of the, the 11, okay? Be Darius Williams, Jalen Ramsey, yep. David Long, Eric Weddle, Nick Bur- or Terrell Burgess, Nick Scott, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, <laughs> and uh, and Ashawn Robinson. Nice. Right? And then then that and then the eleven would be uh, Ernest Jones. Yep. So those are your eleven. That's your dime personnel. Very by the way, that thank you very much. Job. I would have got about so, seven. So that's your dime personnel, and I that makes sense. Yep. Like those are the guys that you would want back or wrap wrap yep. for Burgess. Rap. Yep, yep. So like it's you, but the more safe you put more safeties yep. out there, you get lighter personnel. Yep. But Weddle gets to stay on because he's your play caller, and you have Ernest Jones that is not even close to as much of a matchup disadvantage in those situations as Troy Reader would be. And so do we see less Troy Reader snaps? Is the long winded conclusion I'm trying to come to here? Probably. <laughs> right. And, and honestly, that's what. The, that's why we it's, we saw it twice recently is why the 49ers were such a bad matchup for the Rams. They want to be in light personnel. 49ers are like, all right, we'll be in 21 and 12, and we're going to well, run, that's why they, they run it up your ass. They tilt 6-1 fronts the entire game exactly. last week. It's funny because I almost didn't watch the NFC Championship game as prep for this game. Because it's like, well, this doesn't, this I doesn't matter. <laughs> None of this is applicable, which is it's pretty funny, all it things is. considered. The most recent game. So. The guy I almost forgot when listing off the Rams defense, one of the five greatest defensive players of all time, is Aaron Donald. Yeah. So, if you're the Bengals, or let's say if you're the Rams, okay. what should your plan be for putting him in a position to wreck this game? Because he legitimately could win this game by himself mm-hmm. if put in the right situations often enough. Have somebody lined up over the center so he can't slide to a direction and have Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald over that right guard the for every game. single snap. Every single expected passing snap, just do it. Just spam it. Just do not let them slide to you. So how you do that is you occupy the center. Because the center, if you're going to have an overload front, we mentioned the 49ers did this, the Titans have done this, did this against the Rams, 
is, okay, if he's a shaded over to the right side, oh, okay, I'll slide and be a part of this kind of like this half slide that we could just wad it up. It's almost like zone blocking but pass setting. All right, but if we have him head up and don't know if it's a two-way go, the center has to set straight back. He can't help. He can't go rip, which is right, right-hand call. He can't go Liz, which is left-hand call. I, I'm assuming Zach Taylor uses rip and Liz, like 90, 95% of the offenses. Uh, but all that, he can't do that. Now we have Aaron Donald one-on-one. And they don't even need to do the five-man looks where they have five across the board. They can just do that with four. But what if they do the five-man looks? Yes. Then it's like, because here, if they do those five-man looks, so you look at the Rams, just the numbers, okay? Line up in five-man fronts on 52% of snaps, the fourth-highest rate in the league. On first and second down, they blitz, they bring five guys on 27.5% okay. of first and second downs, which is the seventh highest mark in the league. They actually have the same blitz rate, essentially, on first, second, and third down. On early cool. and late downs, the Rams have the same blitz rate. Cool, so they're a high blitz rate team on first and second down, early downs, a low blitz rate team on third down. Yeah. Okay? Even which makes sense. Maybe <laughs> that's the same approach. Yeah. So if you're in that 5-0 look, is it worth saying, we're going to do a four-man slide to Donald's side no matter what, and leave the left tackle and the back against those two and just say, even if they both come, we're more comfortable living in that world. Is that worth it to you? That's, that's probably what they'll have to do. And you know what's another thing the Rams will do is they'll go four-man front, but they'll have a linebacker over the other guard. So That's, imagine, that's the five-man front five I'm talking front, about yeah. almost with that second linebacker walk down. What, what it forces to do, even if the linebacker drops out, it forces the offensive line to honor it and go, and, and usually it's called a 5-0 call or a, a five-down call. They have to go, hey, if these five come, we have to take them. We're not going to just let this guy go through. That's what I'm saying. Don't yeah. treat it like that. No, Don't treat it like a five-man front. Yeah. Don't treat him like a threat because that's what they want you to yes. do. I would say we dare you to bring him because you don't want to Blitzboro. No. You don't want to bring no. that extra guy because of what he can do. And just think about it structurally. If they bring that second linebacker down, you only have one guy in the middle of the field, and now you have T. Higgins on some of those inbreakers alone against Darius Williams, yep. that's a lot of space yes. for him to work with in a matchup that's advantageous for the Bengals. It's one missed tackle from disaster. Boom. Yes. yes. And that's, and that's so- not the double chip boom. <laughs> that's the boom down the field. But that's that's what it is. That's what the, the spread offense, the whole philosophy of spreading guys out is, is the same almost like in the option offenses. You miss one tackle, you are screwed. Yep. Same kind of thinking. That's all it is. Football is hilarious how it just comes back to the same thinkings and thoughts that like just apply for all of this. And that's the exact same way. And the Rams, though, have to be cognizant of that. Hey, they have a four-man side working Donald's side no matter what. All right, let's get Von Miller isoed up. Let's, which is what's going to happen. Which is that, what's going to happen. Literally, it's Von Miller against Jonah Williams, which becomes a huge matchup. Yes. That, and it's so funny because we talked about this so many times. They got these guys for this reason. Yes. For when you have to spend resources, attention, time, focus on taking away Donald and Cup, who arguably were the best players on their respective sides of the ball the entire season in these huge, huge games, you inherently leave yourself vulnerable to one-on-one matchups. Do the Rams have guys that can take advantage of those one-on-one matchups? Yeah, they got them in October. They, yeah, they have a couple guys. I, I think one of them won Super Bowl MVP just a couple years ago. It's just so amazing how even oh, it's kind of disjointed. Yeah. Should, was it worth going to get these guys? And then you get to the Super Bowl and you think in the perfect matchup or the perfect game plan for the Bengals, the guys that are there to take advantage of it are Von Miller and Odell Beckham. Yes, this is why you get stars. This is <laughs> yes. why you get them because you create one on ones. When you in in grading and scout grading, it's like you know excellent, very good, yada yada yada. It's 
this guy dominates uh, opponents every play is like the actual player. This guy dominates opponents eh, most of the time. This guy, and it's like that's how you scale it. Stars, it dominates opponents. If it's a weaker opponent, every play. And that's what a Von Miller type can do. It's not just like, uh, you know, everything's right. He can maybe get the sack. Okay, he ends the year with five and a half sacks. It's every time he's one-on-one, it's, oh, shit. Oh, shit. We don't have chip help over there. We're in empty. Oh, God. Oh, God. Like, you're making offenses do that every single snap. And guess what? They have two of those guys, and they line up in different spots. And that's the other thing, too, is that the Bengals, uh, I've I've really complimented them on this because this is really where I was like, hey, they're kind of changing what they're doing. It's the first time to play against the Ravens. They run the the seven-man protections with the tight end and the running back. It doesn't really work against these types of fronts because the guys are 5-0 look. It's not some safety or some DB really coming from depth. And that's where the tight end picks them up, the running back picks them up. So it's kind of like their one real nice changeup where they get this chip help. It's not really conducive to what the Rams are going to bring against them. So the one other thing that I would think about with, all right, if there's a way, this is really cool. This is not a workspace or anything. <laughs> so the other thing I would say when it comes to, all right, how are the Rams going to, or how are the Bengals going to mitigate the impact of that pass rush and the disadvantages they have against that front. Empty, get rid of the ball quick. Yes. Get rid of the ball quickly. It's not the most exciting or dangerous way to be offensively, no. but it is an answer. The Rams it's like the coaxed Flint. out. It's, it's like the bird in Flintstones. That's eh, a living. <laughs> the Rams kind of convinced teams or pushed teams to have the third quickest time to throw in the NFL yeah. this year. 2.66 seconds. Makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Bengals comfortable living in that world. Mm -hmm. The other side of this, the Rams were not good against screens this year. They're not a good screen team because our boy is is part of this screen situation, right? Yes. So if, if, (laughs) if you can take advantage of them in one area of the field, it is short passes over the middle of the field and to running backs. Yep. Do we see... Samaje Pirine, spoiler alert, we'll get to him later, type screen <laughs> against this team that the same way we saw against the Chiefs. So just I think that's one more way that can we find a couple chunk plays where they might be a little bit harder to find over the course of this game. Yeah, and uh, a stat that I kind of came across, and this is, again, spoilers, uh, led to my player prop, is that the Rams are 24th in DVOA and pass defense against running backs. And, yeah. And that's just, it's a kind of a double, a double not double sword, but like a, a multi, multi thing here, <laughs> multifaceted thing here is that the Rams will push for depth in their coverage, and you have Troy Reader on the island. And so with that, it's okay, well, we got to check it down, and then Troy Reader's got to tackle. So that's where you see, it's a, kind of like a double thing. It's like, okay, we're going to let you check it down to him. He still has to tackle, like he still has to make that play on an island. Again, you miss one tackle, it's a big play. Eli Mitchell got him last week. I keep saying last week, two weeks ago. Oh, my God. But any of that, that's, it all ties in together. And so like, you're going to see that. And I, I love the point you made with the screen. Also, it's Burrow, it, it, it's the under center in the gun game for the Bengals, which is so wildly different. It's hilarious how they've gone this whole year. I think it was 75% under center. Uh, when the Bengals are under center, 75% is a run play. They need some nakeds. Nakeds are a way to alleviate offensive line woes. They, they need to, they need play action early downs. They need they need nakeds. They need seven man pass. They need sprint seven man outs, pro sprint they, outs. They I if they're going to sit there and run the ball on first and ten and have a thirty one percent success rate again Suicide. the same way they did against the Chiefs and you're sitting there in third and seven. Suicide. There aren't going to be escapes no. on third and seven against this team. No. They're going to be they're going to be Aaron Donald like throwing around Joe Burrow's body. For, yeah. for the four quarters that they cannot have that happen. Yeah. It's just, you have to give yourself chances on those early downs when they're in those five Oh looks, yep. when you have some of those just in breakers on quick routes, when you can get into some, let's take a shot type play action looks, 
we, they need to do that in this game if they're going to survive. Yeah, you the common like adage is like you have to change the launch point. That's what changing the launch point is. Yep. It's changing the timing. It's running a three step concept, five step concept, seven step concept. So that way the Defenders, it's really cool to see good players over games. At first, we always do it like opening script happens. Like, wow, they really nullified Aaron Donald there. Good players feel out the game as it goes along. They go, okay, there's my guy. I got this next time. Okay, this guy keeps quick setting me. Okay, every time third down, they're doing this. They Good players learn, and you see it throughout the game. So you might get them a couple times, but but you're trying to change up the timing for all of it, not just with dropbacks. Sprint out's another great way to do this. I don't know what their numbers are with sprint out. They don't really do it that much. But sprint out is, is sprint out. The quarterback sprints out to the side. But they run. it's a safe protection because you'll have a seven-man protection usually or six. But it's a sliding protection. You don't have to sort anything out. We wad it up. The quarterback gets away. You change the launch point. And guess what? If we have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase run the two-man concept, that's a pretty good pairing. So, yeah. you know, someone might win over there. Um, that's the other way is nakeds and other way is screens. It's just that you're trying to get Troy Reader. I know we keep bringing up his name, but you're trying to get him running side to side going, oh, my God, I have no Which idea. Which is another happening. reason I think motions for runs. Do, we, do we see some jet into some have split to. zone in a similar way that the Niners have been able to run the ball on yep. this team over the last couple of years? All right. Can't be predictable. Very quickly here. Build me a Bengals upset. Build me oh, a man. three-prong Bengals upset. Defense does that. They do, did what they did in Mahomes in the second half. They make I want to see him pat the ball. Yes, I want. I want to see him pat the ball once, twice, three and times. Feet start pattering, and if he can, if there, you get one or two more beats. We talked about this on Ollie Conley earlier this week. You get two extra beats on him three or four times in yep. this game, and you. We talk about the stunts and the games, yep. some of the sim pressure stuff. If you can condense the pocket with a four man rush, make him hold on to it a little bit. That's where it starts to me, mm-hmm. and make them work for it. Yes, they, and which they're willing to do. It's not like this is on that. We keep mentioning the Bengals are such a good tackling team. They can do this. They can make it hard on you and go, yeah, that's eight yards. All right, you gotta get those three. are fine. You can yeah. live with those. You gotta convert four third downs in one series. You know how hard it is to convert third down. It, that's why passing downs and third and fourth downs get brought up so much because it's its own little game within a game. Okay, maybe we just have an awesome third down package, and we the whole it's plan called is called Cooper Cup. <laughs> <laughs> that's third down package. That's the Rams third down package. Get him on the island. Good luck guarding him. But that's really that is. It really is. It really is. I know when you have good players, it's great. I know, and that's what. Oh my god, just rewatching because it, it's fun. It's really fun for the playoffs when you start watching like middle season games again and late season. You're like, oh man, I forgot about this. It's like because every week we just black out after the Sunday show. <laughs> it's like it's like just everything just spills out of my ears but it's like when you watch that and you just watch cooper cup on the island over and over and just watching these dbs just go holy shit i can't choice routes sale routes over routes it's being it's just, uneasy and, oh. and i think and you know we're talking with mitch tomorrow on tomorrow's show about this a little bit on saturday's podcast that we're going to do just about how when you watch a guy on an island against donald he's so uneasy yeah because he can beat you so many different ways and i think it's uh, building more of this upset can you make your offensive line feel comfortable by whatever your game plan looks yep. like? Yep. Can you make sure we're getting four hands on Donald at the same time? He knows he's getting help. Can we make sure that we're using some more max protection play action shots? Just making your offensive line feel comfortable while you make their offensive line feel uncomfortable, those to me are the first two aspects of this. And Rams have to tackle. They're, why, they're such, why they're poor against screens is they'll just let guys go. What? Debo Samuel highlights, they look like high school tape, yeah. like where it's just the most dominant player. 
don't let that happen. You know who's really good on running our screens is Jamar Chase. <laughs> we give ask the Titans. So you have to tackle. They it's need a fundamental to, game. They need to manufacture and conjure some of those big plays. Yeah. They need a Jamar Chase screen. Yep. They need their stars. They need a T Higgins slant that goes for sixty yards. Yep. They need a couple of those splash plays that aren't down the field splash plays. Yes. And I think that the other side of this is. Jalen Ramsey has been gotten on a couple of these deep plays during the playoffs mm-hmm. specifically, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about Mike the Mike Evans. Evans touchdown. Can they find one over-the-top shot, and can they find one or two other explosives on yak opportunities they create with those guys? We're geeked up for the matchup. Now imagine a competitor like Jalen Ramsey. Yep. Can you imagine a double move? Yep. You might see yep. something like a sluggo. I've seen Jamar Chase get a sluggo. Like, Rams will run plenty of cover three on early downs. Yep. Plenty of cover three. They're going to do it out of the shell, yep. but they're going to want to rotate down. So, can you use some jet motion on early downs to make them declare? Mm-hmm. You say, all right, I got three now. I've got that one-on-one on the outside. Can I hit him on a 50-50 ball? Can I push down the field a little bit more? Can I not get scared? Because the way that the reason that that shell works and what it's designed to do is you're dropping that safety down into the intermediate area yep. of the field. You're needed. trying to take away crossers. Yep. In the end, if you're dropping into cover three, you still have one-on-one on the outside. Yep. Like, there's nothing different about that. Still man. So if you're using some motion on early downs, having them declare, same way they did against the Broncos, yep. and then you're saying, we have that one-on-one on the outside, can you take advantage of it one time yep. in that Jalen Ramsey-Jamar Chase matchup? They're going to have opportunities, and it's like they just have to hit them. Yes. It's, it, the Rams' offense is going to have chances. They're going to have more. The denominator is going to be larger. Like They're going to have more chances to make those big plays. Do they hit all of them? Probably not. Most likely never. <laughs> That's when you get to see the big scoring games. That, that, was, that was Burrow going against the Ravens the second time when they have a skeleton crew on defense. <laughs> but honestly, but that's the, the Bengals are going to still get chances. You always have chances. It doesn't matter what the matchup is. They have to hit them at a high rate. It might be a low denominator where it's like, okay, we only had seven of them. They have to go six for seven. Yeah. They have to. There's going to be times where you, the blocking is held up. Defensive line's tired. Ah, someone stumbles. The safety rotates the wrong way. Green dot doesn't make the call because he doesn't know what the coverage is. Or Eric Weddle's been on the, he's been back he's for two been, weeks. He's like, he, he's again, my age and he's been out of the league for however unbelievable. long. The fact it's that so, he's calling plays on the defense and he's been here for a month is insane. It's insane. It's, it's, he didn't play in the system. It's the ridiculous. defense is new. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's absolutely People, crazy. It's, 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 I know you're, you're saying right now, it's crazy. Like, you know the mental capacity it is to have that. Cause you're not, it's even, wild. It's to learn a defense. He's the defensive play caller. Yeah. To learn a defense is hard enough, a guy off the street, and I get what smart and all that, but then he has to communicate. So if he doesn't know a term, he can't make shit up and go, oh, I think this was this. He has to hear every single one of those plays. It's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous that they have that happening. The other side of this, let's say the fourth prong, whatever the, this, mat, this upset would look like. Yeah. Joe Burrow is a special player. Yes. He is a special player. I don't want this to be like too much about like magical nonsense. He has some magical nonsense to him. Yeah. And that is going to be, that pixie dust yep. is going to need to be a part of whatever this recipe looks like. So I think that is also very important to take into account. Absolutely. That's all we got right now, though. On the audio version of this, guys, Shield is going to be coming up a little bit later. If you guys are watching on YouTube, we're going to get out of here. We're going to let the party behind us kind of kind of take hold and, and not fight against it anymore. Really appreciate you guys listening. If you guys are listening on the podcast, we're about to get to Shield. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time now for the Super Bowl edition of our pick segment here on the Athletic Football Show. And joining us to make that happen, as always, the one, the only, Shukapadia. Shil, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I feel like this segment has been good for my brand among the degenerates. Like every person who's contacted me this week to be on radio or podcast is like, yeah, we're going to talk about prop bets. And I'm like, you know, I do. I write about other stuff with the uh, NFL, but yeah, we can, we can just do like 30 minutes on my favorite bets. So uh, I, I don't know if I should credit you guys or blame you guys, but that's certainly been a change this year. I think it's a little calm A, a little calm B. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure it goes one way or the other. You sound like a band that's like tired of playing their hit songs. They're like, we have a whole album <laughs> that we got to cover, but it's I like, no, nope, play You're the right. hits. <laughs> play the hits. Yeah, exactly. So we are not, we're no longer in the competition phase of our pick segment because much like the throwing competition he lost to me yesterday, <laughs> uh, Nate also lost the pick segment season long situation yep. to Shield. So we're not worried about the aggregate scores anymore. We're starting over. For the Super Bowl. We're going to do three props each and pick the game, and I am also involved. Woo. I'm throwing my hat in the degenerate ring as we close out the season here. Uh, the loser of whatever this is has to buy dinner at the Combine yeah. among the three of us. Like That's that. what we're going to do. I, obviously, we, we could probably expense some of it, but if we go to like St. Elmo's <laughs> or something, it's probably going to be more than what we would be able to expense as we dig into the T&E policy <laughs> For the Athletic or the New York Times. I don't know how it all works anymore. Either. either way, one of us is going to have to buy a steak at the end of this entire thing. So we're going to do three pop, three props and pick the game. Sheil, why don't you do us the honors, my friend? What is the first prop bet that you are locking into here for Super Bowl? I don't remember what number. Yeah, what are we? I am going to go with the Bengals over 23 and a half points, which is plus 110. So you're just going with how many points are the Bengals going to score? I think win or lose, I feel good about the, their offense playing well. Listen, they could take some hits. They could take some sacks. But what I'm not worried about is the stage being too good, too big for Joe Burrow, about him getting rattled, about him not playing well. Uh, you know, the bad things that are going to happen to the Bengals in this game, in my opinion, will be out of Joe Burrow's control. So you know what? Even if they get blown <laughs> out, even if they're down by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, like they can still chuck it. I mean, who can score fast? faster uh, than the Bengals. Pretty much nobody this season. So that's plus 110. So, I mean, I would kind of, you know, I don't like to give out like straight advice, but if you're thinking of taking the Bengals plus four and a half, I kind of feel like just take the Bengals, you know, over 23 and a half. If you, if you think they're going to cover that, they're probably going to have to beat that number and you get uh, better odds there. So there it is. Plus 110. Get a little juice on that one. This yeah. is amazing. This is just, this is why gambling is fun. And this is why none of us 
we will all ultimately lose in the end probably is that you can have two people who often agree in a lot of things see this game in entirely different ways like i am shocked that he just said that oh first one right off the bat too. <laughs> I, I am shocked yeah. that he just and, said that and he gave it like a tout like too like hey not gonna give advice but you know we want to listen to this one not only feels <laughs> comfortable the mortgage, 24 points in this game among all there are Truly thousands of prop bets that yep. you could pick from. The first one that Shield picked is the Bengals over 23 and a yeah. half points. And I'm going to say wildly different things over the next 10 minutes. <laughs> hey, you got two strikes on Barry Bonds. Just pipe it down right down the middle, right? Like just mustard, mustard it right down the middle. What, what's the worst that can happen, right? All right, Nate, what do you got for me, buddy? So I'm more player prop oriented, so that way I I've don't have... Mix. I've yeah, a mix. Yeah, you got a mix. I should have done yeah, a little mix. Too, I should have yeah. gotten the Gatorade colors in there. That way, that would have been fun. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with one that I, I feel pretty good about, and we did this a lot in the analysis, talking this morning as well, is I would say Joe Mixon over 25 and a half yards. This has already bumped up a yard from when it was originally... When receiving, I was receiving, receiving What did yards, I say? Right. Receiving yards. I was yes, like, my, what yeah. kind of book, what kind so of sports <laughs> books do they have in Los Angeles? This is unbelievable. What kind of what kind hey, of juice I, are you getting on this name? I paid I paid a lot to get that get that number down. It's you know, thirty five thousand. Yeah, exactly. I paid a lot. And a half rushing hey, yards. you know, at least I can get ten bucks out of it. But yeah, so I'm going to go Joe Mixon over twenty five and a half receiving yards. This was twenty four and a half. It's already bumped up a little bit uh, from a couple weeks ago when I first glanced at it, or a week ago. I don't know. It's all blending together. We're in the middle of February. The combine's like in two weeks. Like I don't know. I, I really don't know. But uh, I really do think of how the Rams play and how they push their coverages and also a athletic football show favorite Troy Reader having to be in coverage. I think there's going to be a little Joe Mixon on Troy Reader action on a lot of checkdowns, uh, maybe a couple screens. And I think that's you know where other backs can get involved. But I think that's where this prop bet comes into play. And like you said, Sheil, if the Rams do take a lead and all of a sudden they're just chucking and chucking and chucking, Joe Burrow has to chuck it, chuck it, chuck it. That's where a lot of checkdowns can happen because they're going to play soft coverage. Boom, let's hit something underneath. So you might get some garbage time, or if it's a close game, I also see where Joe Mixon is going to come to play uh, in the receiving game as well. So it's funny that you say this. I have a bet born of the exact same thinking, but slightly different. I have Samaje Pirine over eight and a half receiving yards. <laughs> Just nice. to note, all of these are on BetMGM. Yes. If you're going to make these bets, please check them out on BetMGM. You can find all of these props available there. I have Samaje Piran over eight and a half receiving yards for the exact reasons that you just said. So over the last two weeks, he's played 73.3% of the snaps for the Bengals on third down. And if we think those checkdowns, some of those screens mm-hmm. might be available, you only need one. Yep. It's eight and a half yards. Yep. You only need one. I don't want to be swayed too much by the 40-something yard touchdown he scored against the Bengals. I don't need a 40-yard touchdown. No. I need a nine-yard screen on third and 18. That's totally fine. I win my bet. The Rams rally and tackle. I'm, I'm cashing in. So I like that one just because if he's going to get that much run on third down yep. and we feel like some of those underneath looks are going to be available for Cincinnati in those moments, again, it only takes one. Yep. That's what I'm going with. Samaji P. Ryan over eight and a half receiving yards. You're just praying for third and 20 check down, like cop out plays, and you're just like, you're fine with it. By the way, I'm ready for that second and 10 sack that yeah. brings it to third and 20. So we're all good. Standing there. up. I, I've, yeah. got, I've got to say, I'm so proud of you. You know, we go 20 weeks, you don't do the picks, just Nate and I, and then you jump in with the, like a big degenerate. I mean, Samaji P. Ryan over eight and a half receiving yards. Like, you've got to be full. To, and that's your first one. I I love it. <laughs> this is fantastic. I was on a, I was on a show, uh, a Vegas show this morning, and Jay Gruden was on before me, and he gave a pick, and it was 
Pirine over one and a half receptions. So <laughs> Robert Mays and Jay Gruden, they're on the same wavelength right now. <laughs> See, I I am a really, really sketchy person. I just have never shown that side of myself right. on this show before. So don't worry. I'm willing to make some weird decisions, Love and it. this is one of them. All yeah. right, Shio, lay it on me, buddy. What's your next one? All right, let's go with the player prop here. I'm going Cam Akers under 64 and a half rushing yards, uh, minus 110. You know, you look at Akers since he's come back, showed a little bit, a little bit of juice there early on. But if you look at the overall numbers, I mean, 59 carries for 154 yards, averaging 2.6 yards per carry, uh, doesn't have a run longer than 15 yards, doesn't have a game with more than 55 rushing yards. So I think this is a pretty big number for him and especially I look at Sean McVay like, is he going to come into this game and say, I trust Cam Akers you know, to not fumble after, the, after that divisional round game where he had a couple fumbles, then he only carries it 13 times in the championship game. And also, uh, you know, I do think McVay is going to come out here and want to throw the football. This is like Matthew Stafford's showcase. I don't think they're going to uh, come out and have a heavy dose of early down run. So I'm adding all those things together. Now, this is pretty much guaranteed that Cam Akers is going to break one on the first series of the game. That's how these things <laughs> <laughs> generally go but as we sit here uh you know 40 whatever two three days before kickoff uh that's one that i like cam makers under under 64 and a half i think Sheila, if, if you were trying to stack up where the Bengals have an advantage personnel wise in this game the, the first place i might start is with dj reader against the interior of the rams offensive line so even yeah. if they want to run the ball a little bit this rams team has not been efficient running the ball and this Bengals team is pretty solid against the run. So I think there are a lot of different things stacking up in your favor there with that exact prop and that exact set of And Henderson's playing. So you right. might, you, they might go yeah. a little three-man rotation there, and yeah. all of a sudden they just chip into each other's yardage total. So I, I see the angle. I see the angle, Shield. I mean, I'm not going to call it a lock, one? but yeah. <laughs> I like, like Bengals 23 and a half points, Bengals right? over 23 and a half. <laughs> you know why Be- Shield's going with the under for uh, – for Cam Akers because he just expects a forty-five to forty-one yeah. show, like firestorm where yeah, no one I mean, runs the, Rams the ball. Aren't gonna be able to playing throw it. into yeah. each other. I here. get it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> so actually, I have some of this little dovetail little bet right here, and this is another. I think everybody and their mother is on this angle. Is T Higgins over seventy and a half receiving yards? Not rushing yards. I'm not going to confuse. It seems like it. a big number to me, though. Seventy but is a lot. How they play and how these defenses play, I can really just see. Him coming on those daggers, him coming underneath, it's going to be a lot of in-breaking routes, and then he just really just needs to pop one. There is same that same interior of the, this Rams defense that the 49ers had so much fun playing against uh, several times, hitting all those in-breakers against. I see that's a T. Higgins game right there. And especially if we got to see how they play Ramsey on chase, I, they're going to have an eyes on chase no matter what. Even if it's not Ramsey, there's going to be something, rotation down, away, some shape or form that they're going to like keep an eye on Jamar Chase. So I the just like in the championship round, T. Higgins. It's a big T. Higgins game. I can see him catching an inbreaker and just going, going. You know, just got to catch two. It feels like the the thinking on this and just the way that some of these props are set up has come along to this type of thinking, right? Yep. Isn't T. Higgins is over under for receiving yards higher than Jamar Chase's? Oh, I don't even know. On about MGM? I'm uh, pretty sure it is. I think they're close, though. I, I, I do know they're very close because I did look at Jamar Chase just I, in I, case. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's very close. So it's funny that other people are kind of coming around on this. Yeah. 70 and a half is a pretty high number. I was surprised to see it because I was also thinking about potentially taking T. Higgins and his over under yardage total. Instead... I'm going to do the exact same type of thought 
for the other team. Nice. I'm going Ooh. Odell Beckham over 62 and a half receiving yards. Oh, that was my fourth one that I threw out. See? So very nice. And yeah. For very similar reasons. You know, we talked about this earlier on the show, Nate. If we're going to have Odell as that backside of those three by one sets, yes. and you're going to have some of those in breakers that we've seen from him against these zone coverages, if the Bengals are going to take away Cooper Cup on some of those in breaking choice routes yes. with robbers, whatever, and you have so much push to the other side, do we see a lot of looks to Odell the same way we have against the Niners, mm-hmm. other zone heavy teams? Similar thinking, kind of connected to this. This is one of my official ones because I thought it was too similar. Odell for the most receiving yards in this game, 7-1. to one. I like that. 7-1, to one, Odell Beckham, most receiving yards. I think that's pretty juicy. That is pretty I'm, juicy. I'm a fan of it. I see I the angle. I am a fan of it. I see the angle because that was another one I had. I had, five, I had five bats. We narrowed it down to three, but that was another one that I was like, ah, I don't know, but I see, I see that exactly. This is the angle. number two receiver showcase here. It is. That's what the Super Bowl is. It really is. All right, Joe. What's your last one, bud? Now, this co- I probably should have asked this before we started, but this contest, like if I go for a long shot, is it like most bets correct, or are we adding up kind of the money you would have make if, if you like bet 100, 100 on each of them? You know well, what I, I mean? I, I, I was going with most bets correct because okay. I did not I didn't, I didn't yeah. try to game the system here with long shot <laughs> bets, even though my Odell one does seem like that. Okay. Okay. Well, my so I, I'm not gonna go with the long shot. Then I do. We really kinda, thought this through. Yeah, we yeah. really did. Uh, I'm just gonna yeah. mention it. You know, Aaron Donald plus 1200 to win MVP is sort of strange yeah. to me. I mean, I look. I at, love that. Yeah. I look at that, and defensive players have won it two of the last ten years. But this matchup, we know where the advantage is for the Rams. We know Donald is a generational type player, where this is like a you know could be a legacy type game for him. If Stafford throws yep. a couple interceptions and Donald has three sacks and a forced fumble then I think he's got a great shot to win it. But, uh, you know, I need to be a little safer. I'm not going to go – I'm not crazy. I'm not going plus 1,200 if I it's just like most that. bets. I do, I like, do that. like that. I do like that. That yeah. is a fun little limb to walk out on. I had a lot of respect. Us, us three can each have, like, like a – we can go on a prop together. Like, we can just, like, have yeah. these, like, three ones. We have, you know, OBJ, <laughs> most receiving yards, 7-1. to one. We'll just have that. That's, like, the group bets right there. Okay, there you go. All right, so the one I'm going to actually go with – I mean, this is going to be a very boring segment because I'm pretty much going with the exact ideas that you guys had. But you know what? T. Higgins, everyone's saying T. Higgins, T. Higgins because he had the monster last game. That number gets bumped up. I mean, you forget about one of the very underrated wide receivers in the NFL, and that's Tyler Boyd. And you're getting a much smaller number, 40 and a half receiving yards. He hasn't had a big postseason at all. Regular season, 828 yards. This guy's averaging 52 yards per game in the regular season, and now it's 40 and a half in a game where they're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, All the things you guys just mentioned really apply to Boyd as well. You're focusing a lot of the attention on Chase. That's where your game plan is. Maybe your second point on your game plan is, hey, we can't let T. Higgins crush crush us. He crushed the Chiefs. Well, who's standing there to pick up the pieces? Maybe he gets behind (laughs) Nate's boy, Troy Reader. They're playing a little zone coverage. Reader doesn't have the instincts. Boyd gets right behind him, works the middle of the field, (laughs) and has a couple catches. So I've I've got Tyler Boyd. It's minus 110 over 40 and a half for my last one. We talked about it earlier. We talked about if they're going to go into some empty and they're going to try to play with Reader, with Tyler Boyd on some of those option routes and work in the middle of the field underneath, uh, I think it makes total sense. It's a great point, Shield, about his season average and then the fact that it's 10 yards lower than that. And the matchup would dictate him getting a lot of looks and potentially being a part of the game plan. So I like that one a lot. I do, too. That's... It's circled. This is amazing. Uh, but I, I've seen the heat all charts. Of Nate's, all of Nate's bets are somehow Troy Reader related. I, they <laughs> really are. I, they really are. It's it's kind of funny watching him in uh, the start of the last game against 
49ers, it was like he's coming for he like he's shoulder and juice check. He's taking on these blocks. I was like, okay, Troy Reader, you, you listen to the pod apparently, you know. Like, <laughs> I you're cannot not- wait for him to have him pick six and win the <laughs> oh. MVP of the season. What are his I, yeah, I, what I, are his MVP? I will happily <laughs> eat crow. And, but, so they're off the board. And if you can get somebody to take that bet, you that person needs to go to therapy. <laughs> and but it was hilarious. All of a sudden he went one on one, he's in space. And he had to tackle, I think it was Eli Mitchell. And it was just like, oh, that's right. There you are. Just like he's just tripping over himself and falling. He's like, ah, that's right. Better going forward than backwards. All right, my last one. This is great. I mean, we have a lot of similar ones. I, my player props, I'll usually do one or two a week. We won't talk about them on the pod. But one of my favorite angles always is. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> no. It's QB rushing yards. And I'm going to go with Joe Burrow over 10 and a half rushing yards. Love it. And I could just see, I mean, that. He won him the game with his legs last week. He's going to be rushing. He's going to be running for his life. Going to be running so. for his life. You just need one. Hey, a third and eight where he just gets the first down. You just need a couple of those, and I can see it happening. If if there's some man, there's some robber looks. Hey, they're doubling. They're doubling chase. T Higgins is open. Okay, I'm going to scramble, and I could just see that happening a couple of times, especially in like a two minute drill when the defense gets tired. So I think these quarterback rushing yards is one of my favorite angles. And I think Joe Burrow over ten and a half rushing yards is the one I'm going to tab. I like that a lot. I absolutely think that there's going to be some scenarios where he looks to take off. Much, much less man from the Rams than some of the other teams that they've played. Yep. You know, the Titans are a really man-heavy team on third down, which you don't really think about with them because we've talked about a lot of the two-eye structures. They play in yep. some of those zone coverages on early downs, but they're a man-heavy team on third down. Rams not as man-heavy on third down. So not as many opportunities as some of the other teams they've mm-hmm. played, including Kansas City. But still, I mean, he's going to have to be running around a little bit. My last one here, again, kind of contrasting Shields' first one and the way that the game might end up looking. The Rams' money line and the under oh. together mm. is 19 to 10. So almost 2 to 1 okay. for the Rams' money line and under 45 and a half, or 48 and a half. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Because I, let's say it's a, even if it's a, pretty decisive Rams win. It's 31-17. You're still under. Mm -hmm. I I think that the Bengals are going to struggle to move the ball. I really do. I think that they're going to have a hard time because I don't see them running the ball very effectively. I see them struggling to pass protect. So I feel like if there's a low-scoring game on one side from them and you're taking the Rams' money line, that combination is attractive to me. I like that. Look at you guys. You guys got, like, not exotic, but, like, you went to like LA, you know. You didn't go to Hawaii with these bets, but you you went to the beach, maybe San Diego. You went to the San Diego beach. You know that's exactly what you guys did with these angles. I know I'm boring. This is like God. I could have gotten juicy with this. Now I'm just like, eh, yeah, player props over. I mean, over. I absolutely could see a game where the Bengals win this game 27 to 17, or excuse me, the Rams win this game 27 to 17. Yep, I win that bet. Yep. I mean, if, if that's the type of game that it is, I think it could be a little bit lower scoring. All right, now for the big one, Chill. Who you got? Who are you picking, not to, not to win the Super Bowl, who wins doesn't really matter. Who are you picking to cover or not cover in this game? Good teams win, great teams cover, as we know. Uh, you know, I, I can see it playing out exactly like you said. There's no doubt about it. On paper, like a lot of stuff points to the Rams. Absolutely winning this game, dominating up front. I mean, if Burrow's just getting pressured and they can't do anything, uh, I can totally envision that being the story. Sunday night, we say Bengals had a great season. Go upgrade the offensive line, and you'll be back. Rams, Stafford trade, it all worked out well. But you know what? I, I like the analytics. I like the X's and O's. But sometimes you look for something bigger. 
And sometimes <laughs> when a franchise has just been downtrodden for so long and someone as special as Joe Burrow comes along and a bunch of games that maybe shouldn't go your way, but you find a way to pull them out and all of a sudden you look up and you're in the Super Bowl. Sometimes it doesn't end there, you know, with, with these franchises. When the Red Sox finally won, when the Eagles won, it's like it happens in these weird ways that you don't expect where the chips are kind of stacked against you. I've been on this Bengals team all playoffs, picked them every week. I've bet against the Rams every week. That hasn't worked out well for me. But I look at this, and it's what I said earlier. I mean, I like if I'm getting four and a half points and I think that there's no way that the quarterback is just going to lay an egg or make these game-changing mistakes, and there's a chance that the guy can throw for 400. I mean, he's thrown for 400. He's thrown for 500. He's played in big games. He shows up every week. Uh, he's not going to be nervous at the start of this. Uh, I see a Bengals upset in this game. You know, Offensively, uh, like I said, they can score. Snap of your fingers, 12, 12 completions of 50-plus yards for Joe Burrow in the regular season, more than any quarterback in the last 20 years in the NFL. Love that from an offense's perspective. From a defense's perspective, you know, if Bill Belichick had that second-half adjustment that Lou freaking Anna Rumo had, I mean, that's all we'd be talking about. Put that, is that so, game hey, played hey, in the hey, Hall of Fame? We talked about it you a talked lot. It? Well, listen, you are, you are a niche. I mean, you're an X's and O's. You know, I'm talking about niche. the grand first take. I'm talking about, you know, the baby said, oh, put Belichick. People's going to be yelling, put his game plan in the Hall of Fame. So uh, <laughs> I trust the Bengals to be able to adjust. Maybe they get off to a slow start. They're not going to do the same thing over and over again. They're going to try different things. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think the Rams are going to have the ball late. Trey Hendrickson's going to come around the edge, a little forced fumble, and the Bengals will prevail 27 to 26. I'm not just giving you the plus four and a half. Wow. I'm, I'm picking them to win this football game. Wow. I let's love do, it. Let's just, uh, just real bravery. Yeah, Kent, let's make sure if the Rams blow them out, let's make sure we delete that, you know, sometime Sunday night. <laughs> Everything I just said, let's get that out of there. Do some late editing. <laughs> it's like the Simpsons bit where they put uh, Mo puts the mug in front of his in front of his mouth and he goes, The Atlanta Falcons, because they had to edit it after about who was in the Super Bowl. That's exactly what we're doing here, but it's podcasts, it's just audio form, sadly. All right, buddy. What do you got for me? Bengals fans, we've had a lot of fun this year. Oh, my God. What a journey we've all been on. <laughs> oh, just wonderful, starting with the draft, pre-draft, draft, camp, AFC North prediction pod, <laughs> picks every week starting week one. I bet it against you. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. You guys make sure to always remind me of every, every angle I talk about with the Bengals. I'm still going with the Rams minus four and a half. <laughs> I have not learned my lesson. I am stubborn. Um, I do. I can see the angles. Like I can see the Bengals doing the magic that they've had it's been as the second half of the season was the joe burrow show but then the Bengals' defense stepping up in this playoffs has been really really fun to watch and just like you said shield that was for whatever reason somehow underrated we've talked about it but still somehow underrated what they did in the second half to patrick mahomes like i've never seen mahomes so frazzled i love i'm just talking Bengals this whole time as i pick the rams uh, but I, I i do like this team i like this story it's just this rams team and how they're built and we talked about it earlier, Robert, but how they're built and how they do this and how they attack on offense is exactly what the Bengals have weaknesses on defense or how they want to play is how the Rams can attack them. So I just think the Rams are going to have their way offensively. Bengals might have an adjustment up their sleeve. They might have the, the game plan goes into the Hall of Fame. 
I just don't see that path. <laughs> I just that path is a little bit narrow. It could happen. It's a Super Bowl. Crazy things happen. We might have a Cincinnati special play. You know, that's what you might see something like that. But I'm still going to go with the Rams minus four and a half. I'm making the same thing. <laughs> there are just too many advantages, in my opinion, that the Rams have. And there is a world where the Bengals win this game, and it's rooted in the exact same thing that you just talked about. It's that just perfect pitch caught them flush defensive game plan similar to the one that they had last week we discussed this what does this week's version or this game's version of that cover eight heavy game plan look like can they find that approach that's specifically tailored to this rams offense and catch them the same way they caught the chiefs in the second half last week they've shown the ability to do that Mm -hmm. i mean this is a shape-shifting defense that is full of smart veterans who can do a different thing every single week in the playoffs, that's exactly what you need. Yep. I mean, it's exactly how the Patriots have done this over and over and over again because you want that malleability at this stage in the calendar. But I just think if you look at the way the Rams' defensive line is built and the way the Bengals' offensive line is built, it's not like the Rams have an advantage at one spot. You know, If the Rams play those 5-0 looks where they have five guys lined up across the defensive line, okay, every single one of them is an advantage for the Rams. Yep. Every single one. So if they're going to win against in the run game, if they're going to be able to rush the passer with some of those one-on-one looks, it's not like you playing the Raiders or the Titans mm-hmm. where you know, Jeffrey Simmons can dominate you, but you know their their edges are not quite a Von Miller type. Mm-hmm. It, it, I just feel like the Rams have such an advantage in that area, and the Rams' offense was number one in the league yeah. to this point in passing EPA per play. It's not as though it's a merely pretty good offense. Over the course of the last 20 weeks, it's been the most efficient Mm -hmm. offense in football. They're playing extremely well. And though there is magic in what Joe Burrow has been able to do, and there is magic in what that defense collectively has been able to do over the last three weeks, I I think that they'll keep this game closer than they probably should. But I still just feel like the Rams have too many advantages in too many places. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Sheila? Well, I, it remind, so. well, it's all true. I can see it all on paper. I mean, Ted and I did the analytic X's and O's breakdown, and there's like no edge to be had for the Bengals. But I, I Joe Burrow, if you're listening, so you know, scary. if it's Sunday, you're catching up on some podcasts, getting ready for the game. If the play calls coming into your headset are to hand the ball off to Joe Mixon over and over again on first and second down, you do a little trick. I like to say headset malfunction. You grab, you know, you put your hand on your ear. You say it's not coming through. You do a little signal to the sideline. You say we don't want to waste a timeout and just take over and start calling the plays. I want you throwing 45 50 times in this game. I don't care how many times you get hit. You got the whole offseason. We'll get some masseuses. Whatever you need, we'll do stretching. I mean, you don't have to lift a muscle for three months after you win this game. So if they do that to me, uh, it is going to drive me nuts. But the game management is interesting to me uh, in this game. Um, Whether it's just that type of play calling or like the, you know, McVeigh wasting some timeouts early or being conservative if they build a lead. So uh, I do have my eye on that also uh, in this game maybe i can count on mcveigh to keep the bengals in it and then uh, and then joe burrow make a big play in the I, fourth quarter i i did i did love the mcveigh heat check with the challenge flags last week or whatever <laughs> i mean <laughs> he was gonna will himself to this game <laughs> nothing was gonna stand in his way calls timeouts nothing he was gonna empty the clip of everything he possibly had to get this team to this game even if it were the it were the wrong decisions in some of those what do you say too he was like oh what have i learned my lesson it's like i'm not gonna overthink it and overdo it it's like no shit Sean like yeah <laughs> we can we can see that we can see that like kind of come to prominence on public view on national TV guys 
this was a blast. This was a blast to do all season. Uh, I can't believe we're here. Yeah. You know, I can't believe we're finally at the Super Bowl. It's been such a fun year. It, it's it's silly this week, you know, sitting here with at Radio Row and all the craziness and people flooding in and out. And I got you know, a UFC champ right next to me. Yeah, like. <laughs> it's just it's, it's such a funny funny setting, and there are people. I don't oh, yeah. even know what's happening back there. There's like a chant going on. Yeah, it's all silly. It's all great. I mean, I, I love being here. I can't wait to go to the game. I can't wait to see this matchup. I sincerely, truly appreciate you guys listening all year. Uh, you're just how invested you've been. Uh, our entire, all of our audience, all the people who listen to the show, and making this possible. We are so lucky to get a chance to do this, to get a chance to do it together. So thank you very much for making it a possibility. Please, if you have not, go check out all of the written work that is on the <laughs> Athletic right now. It's absurd how much stuff we've put out. As Shiel mentioned, you you can go read the film and analytics piece that he and Ted Wynn wrote a little bit earlier this week. Jordan Rodriguez wrote a fantastic story about just kind of the thinking that's driven the Rams to this moment and all of the different mindsets and kind of idiosyncrasies that exist that organization that's brought them here. All of the work that Jay Morrison and Paul Diener Jr. have done over the last few days. And Lindsey Jones has a piece that's coming out later this week. Stephen Holder has a story that should be out today on Friday about the two quarterbacks and what this would mean for them. All of the stuff that you really cannot get anywhere else. Please go check it out. Theathletic.com slash football show. Guys, make sure to check out the Apple Audio Plus bonus content that we're doing from the Super Bowl. Obviously, we have the Football GM with Mike Sando and Randy Mueller on there every single week. We'll have a few other things that we're rolling out there. So highly encourage you guys to check that out. Guys, we're here. We did it. Had a great time with all of you. Appreciate everybody listening. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. Nate and I will not be doing a live stream afterward. We will be doing our normal recap podcast that will be available to you guys on Monday morning. So first thing Monday morning, you wake up, check it out. It'll be there for you. Very excited to do it. Very excited to be there. Shield, great to talk to you, buddy. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, guys. Appreciate it. This was The Athletic Football Show.